Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me in person, he plays tracks like Michael Jordan shoots hoops, Ooh. free throws. It's Arturo Sarita. Well, but look at this right here. We got another one coming in strong right there. Yeah. Actually, you can feel the rumbles. We're clapping on time, yeah. but we still got the AirPods on. We're actually sharing the AirPods because, <laughs> of course, we're, we're, we're we need sharing. Right here. Yeah. We're sharing audio. We're maybe sharing microphones. We still haven't figured that out. It's nice. It's to be you're sharing your home with me. We're sharing Wi-Fi together. Yes, finally. we're sharing Wi-Fi we're, too, we're, which we're might finally. be might not be good for our guests. Always with us for our Sundance coverage. If you want to tell her what to do, put her on the payroll. It's Amanda the Jedi. You get home smoothly, Amanda. I, I know you. You almost didn't make it. Yeah, like I wouldn't say smoothly. It's like I landed in <laughs> Chicago to find that my flight had been delayed an hour, and then I just kept getting delayed. Um, so I, I was like, I landed in Montreal 20 minutes before my next flight. So, but we made it. A lot of running. It was terrible. I literally it was one of those like final boarding calls for your city. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> shit. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you saw Amanda the Jedi dashing through your airport. You probably uh, would have been like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, we're, we're all chilling at a home at least. I, I haven't made it all the way back to mine yet, but uh, Sundance has wrapped up. We've made it through the week and a half plus of new movies. The almost seven, almost eighty feature films. We, it we was didn't... like yeah, it started off at as eighty three. Some got cut. Some uh, got added. Some got added. I don't really know where it ended up being, but for the most part, I think. There was still 80-something features, mm. a, a good load of shorts, and for the most part, I think all of us together got well uh, into the 80% of movies. I think we got to see everything that we wanted to see for the most part, and yeah. overall, I think it was a solid lineup. Yeah. Amanda, how many do, did your final tally hit? Because uh, you, you also to, saw quite a bit. Yeah, I have to go back through. I think I'm, I saw way less than you because I dipped out on some of the documentaries to do work, but uh, I think I made yeah, it to like... Yeah, you were doing a lot of... Yeah, I think by the end it was about like yeah a lot of screen work, but I made it to about fifty. I'm pretty sure. So. That's nice, pretty freaking decent. Fifty I mean, is what some people won't see the entire year. Exactly, that's a lot that more month. than yeah. what a lot of the major reviewers are seeing it. So that's that's too. a good amount. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. think we. Uh, was there any category that you were able to finish completely? Because towards the oh, end, damn. I know we had a couple where like, damn, we were missing the one. Yeah. We should have called Jane, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, definitely U.S. We... Dramatic. I definitely got through all of U.S. Dramatic. Beautiful. Nice. Uh, and then probably a decent amount of, like, the features and stuff, too. Like, the mm -hmm. maybe all of those. I'm not sure. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I ended up seeing all of World Documentary, which is a first for me. Well, I know how so. much you talk about that all year. So you're <laughs> right. Really I'm really always looking for the, the oh, World premieres. Documentary category. So this Premieres. Nice, yeah. I mean, I, b between all of us, we probably saw almost everything in premieres, or at least the the narratives in premieres. Yeah, for I, the I narratives. Missed, like, yeah. The docs were missing, like two docs. Yeah. yeah. Un unlike last year's Sundance mm -hmm. recap, we did mm -hmm. not get to see every single feature at Sundance. We're missing like four. Bro. We're missing. Yeah. yeah, we're missing just a handful. So if you saw it at Sundance, there is a really good chance that we'll cover it. We're gonna spread this probably across two different videos where we'll talk about the movies that are in competition in the U.S. Dramatic, U.S. Documentary, World Dramatic, and World Documentary categories first, and then we'll get into those premieres, those spotlights, those midnights, those next, even 
the kids section uh, in our next video. So a whole bunch of movies coming up in just a little bit. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on youtube.com slash intercutpod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at intercutpod. That's at intercutpod, and that's short for podcast. Also, intercutpod on Patreon. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate that when you do. And you can leave us a five-star review of the podcast on iTunes. We really appreciate when you can leave five stars also spotify podcast is letting you do five no stars we're canceling now. spotify in here oh, right right i haven't heard why yet but it's canceled it's <laughs> yeah gone. so so cancel your membership curve. and then eventually <laughs> eventually we'll get back on spotify and and please give us those five stars i guess uh we're on title when we get those five star reviews it makes me happier than when you see the image from the sundance catalog in the movie sometimes you hope it's not at the end <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you, you kind of have that thing where you're it happens the 15 Cameron minutes in. Yeah. yeah, and there are, sometimes it's Cameron Post and you're like, oh, so it's the final like, yes. minute you're like, I just saw the final shot of the goddamn movie. You know? <laughs> Does that spoil your experience with it ever? Are you sitting there like, she hasn't like knelt over in that parking lot yet? She doesn't have all the blood yeah, over her while right. she's in the middle exactly of the highway. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. of when he said doesn't have exactly. blood all over her. I was like, Whoa. so. I don't know. Does that say more about the movie? Does that say, like, there was nothing in the first half that they could show as promotion that they had to take the damn final image of the movie? Interesting, yeah. Maybe they're doing a bit of that A24 bit and switch marketing. Or it, like, baits things. Like, the MIOK poster was absolutely baiting some expectations out of people that did not happen. Yep, yep, yep. I was fu- I still had a good time. I'm just great. Spoiler <laughs> yeah, alert. You're I had a great time. Not disappointed with MIOK. Yeah, no. Um, anyway... So we will hop into the first category uh, right off the top, the big one, the U.S. Dramatic Competition. This is the one where most of the movies that you like and know that came out of Sundance probably premiere in this section. Stuff like Whiplash, stuff like Little Miss Sunshine, uh, even more recently, the stuff like Coda. R.J. Seiler, he was in uh, (laughs) Meet Earl the Dying Girl, which one? (laughs) That was a winner from there. But yeah, all the big ones come from U.S. Dramatic. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of really interesting movies here. We'll start it off with 892, directed by Ami Damaris Corbin. It's the true story of Brian Easley, who's driven to the brink of poverty and decides to rob a bank holding hostages with a bomb. This one picked up the special jury award for ensemble cast. Art, did you think that 892 had the best ensemble cast of what we saw in U.S. Dramatic? From the U.S. Dramatic, I think it had a pretty good, pretty solid solid cast to go with it. I think the only one that I would have right next to it would be Cha-Cha Real Smooth, just Mm -hmm. the way that everybody was able to come in together. But no, I think 892 definitely because uh, we were talking about one of our best supporting actresses of the fest. And it was Nicole Bahari. Uh, Nicole Bahari. Yeah. Like she also yeah. killed it in Hong for Jesus. But here, between her, between what um, what's the name was doing as the lead, Boyega. John Boyega, and then you had Michael K come in as mm-hmm. the person who's supposed to be the negotiator. Yeah. It's also a two-hour movie, so you're pacing a lot of these performances. Some people don't come in until like really come in until halfway through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a decent one to give the ensemble. I don't know if the ensemble was just for you as dramatic. I feel like they may do it for. A couple, but I yeah. think that was a special award that well, was specific to the U.S. Dramatic. Exactly, yeah. So it's like, I, I feel like you have to choose from that. And 
I think something that we saw throughout the awards, as opposed to previous years, yes. is they did a good job of Very trying job. to spread the love around. And I, I think there was only one film that ended up winning more than one award, if you uh-huh. don't count Navalny winning the... 27 awards that it did during the year. <laughs> all, the, all the audience awards Damn, stuff. bro. Yeah. But like, yeah, like the, you could give uh, ensemble to something like Cha Cha Real Smooth, but then it's a way. This is a way that you actually do get to. And it was good because it's a bottle film. Yeah. You yeah. were literally having a lot of the characters have to interact off of each other, not just through the people who are outside uh, through a phone call, but literally characters who are just signaling each other to get the hell out of the situation mm-hmm. that's going on. Uh, plus, I also think that that is one of the top ones that I would recommend. We had mm-hmm. said, you know, when we have these discussions and for the obviously the inner cuties who know these movies and are looking forward to them, that is one thing. But when you're discussing to like your family or yeah. just, you know, your average friend, yeah. it's like, what are you telling them? Are you saying that you want them to sit there for palm trees and power lines? Probably not. But 892 as a thriller, I think is something that's very easily uh, sellable for people. Yeah, I agree for sure. None of us had this in our top tens, right? Amanda, you didn't? Mine was close. It was bopping around. There was like three movies in yeah. that 10 slot. And then I think I end- mm-hmm. I ultimately ended up going with Emergency for the 10 slot, which is probably what I right. would have actually given the Ensemble Cast Award to, but... That's a good That's point. another good one. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah I, I think Art described this one to me when we were just like looking at the plot descriptions as Boyega's John Q, which Bro. is a, a really good <laughs> point not of a bad comparison. Because yeah. John Q is also a movie that maybe isn't like the the most be, uh, most well written but it's like yeah. really really elevated by those star performances by that Denzel turn and this is another one where like Boyega is giving I, you a side that he's it. never shown you before yeah. Bakari is like really really good it just needed to be written a little bit better yeah. that's it yeah. yeah I have it as my number five for the U S dramatic mm-hmm. I do have it above Emergency personally um, but it's sitting right in the middle of it uh, but I still think that's going to be the easiest one to recommend because it's a it's a good dramatic thriller yeah, yeah totally. Moving on to Alice, directed by Kristen <laughs> Verlinden, a film about an enslaved woman played by Kiki Palmer who stumbles into the year 1973. Art, this had some of the worst reviews of any film at the Sundance Film Festival, but you didn't hate it, right? I didn't hate it, but maybe we were so prepped for the early right. reviews. Plus, we all guessed the plot immediately because we all just looked at the screen and went, it's Antebellum. Yeah. So, uh, it's Antebellum. It is It is 2022's Antebellum. I don't yeah. know how else to put it. I don't think Kiki Palmer does a bad performance, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she's very much directed to do the yell. Yeah. Ah, oh, my God. And she kills it. But you're also there kind of questioning it from the screenwriting perspective of, like, you're forcing these moments so much in a movie where we've already seen the plot. It's, yeah. I think, on Amazon Prime. Do I think it does it a little bit better than Antebellum? No. I think it's exactly the damn same. <laughs> I thought they were going to do more with it, bro. The way that they pitched yeah. it was that, you know, it, it, they they don't tell you, but they kind of pitch it as like, did she just time travel into the 60s, into the future from slavery times? Yeah. And she's now in this black exploitation right. era with Common and what's going to come about from that? I don't know. It's just Antebellum again, in my opinion. I ain't hate it, but... There is a um, cliche that's happening with these type of stories where, I don't know, if you've seen Antebellum, you know what it is. If you've seen stuff like Tundee Johnson, if you've seen stuff like what won the Oscar for short not too long ago, it's almost this like tragedy uh, plot that they, yes, that, yeah. th- that they have that they want to keep going back to. And I was like, none of y'all are, are realizing that you think you're original, but there's five other people making the exact same story as you yeah, are right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes you hope that there's maybe a little bit more than kind of like the surface level like mm-hmm. oh isn't this weird being out of place thing and uh you know we've also seen seen such a similar execution of this with Antebellum. 
uh, vertical, which and that was a big thing that one of our intercuties <laughs> said that they were like, uh, vertical picked it up, not for me. Yeah. Vertical movies are not for me. So <laughs> look at the vertical lineup and see if it's for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to Blood, this hey. was the one from U.S. Dramatic that the I missed. One. I, got, I got close. The I got one. close. I had to take a nap. Uh, directed by Bradley Rust Gray. This one's about a widow who travels to Japan for work and meets up with an old friend. It picked up the Special Jury Award for Uncompromising Artistic Vision. Art, does the award fit the film? They ain't compromised, bro. I'm gonna tell you that much. <laughs> this was, I believe, also pitched as being very uh, landscape-worthy, very melancholic, and it is very soft-looking film. Mm-hmm. I personally would go out of my way to say that, with the exception of uh, Watcher, which I really enjoy the way that looked, Blood may be top three best looking films of the fest. Yeah, it was really pretty. It is. It is a very slow movie, and it's very much this relationship, uh, not even necessarily drama that's going on between these two as the widow goes to Japan, but it's a uh, it's a really pretty film that is kind of dealing with grief, um, and is also a movie that's got your volcano shots that. I know you didn't get to see, but uh, we started having a lava counter practically. Um, But no, I thought this was a very beautiful movie. It very much sticks with its characters. If someone's on a boat, you're going to follow their entire journey through the boat. It is putting you through their pace. And I didn't think it was a bad film, a very slow film, not one of my favorites out of the uh, um, competition here. But I was hoping this was going to get the Cinematography Award. And I don't think they gave out a Cinematography Award this year. No. But uh, the vision was uncompromised, and (laughs) I guess I'll give them that. (laughs) But everyone's vision was uncompromised. Here's the thing. This is the first of, like, four Mm -hmm. special juries, which is, you know, the jury gets together, and they're like, all right, we got to give it to these. But uh, what award can we, I don't want to say make up, but (laughs) can we honor? And they gave, like, four to uncompromised vision. And then I think there's one for vision that is uncompromised. (laughs) (laughs) They're all the same. There's four of these. Um... I don't see what it means because yeah. to me, all of these movies are clearly not touched, in my opinion, for the most part. But congrats to Blood. I hope you do. I hope you do catch it. I'm yeah, I mean, I was just very tired when we got around to it. It was three back to back, slowly paced movies. Yeah, Amanda, I'm not so sure I would have made it through this one if I uh, tried. No, uh, I really don't think well, you would have because, like, you had done the podcast. You had done another podcast that morning. <laughs> Yeah. And you were just kind of like, oh, I don't think I can, I'm not going to make it. And you were just not. Because we had to do our own recording that day, too. And you were like, oh, I just don't think this is going <laughs> to. It's only so much energy in one day. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it, it, it's a very good looking movie. And I, I'd say the performances and direction was very well done. So. Uh, moving on to Cha Cha Real Smooth. Biggest directed one. by Connor. Oh, sorry. I keep calling him Connor. I don't know why. Cooper. 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 Yeah, yeah, I gotta learn the name because we saw he's... a movie that was uh, very much on dads. He really loved his dad, or I think we had seen a trailer, and I was like, "It's Rafe Cooper." It's just gonna be the reverse for him. Yeah. Uh, so Cha Cha, real smooth. We already covered this in an after Sundance review. Amanda loved oh the God. film so much, we have to give it have to give it its own video. Yeah. So you can check that out on our channel on our podcast feed. Uh, but since we recorded that. It won the Audience Award for U.S. Dramatic, no and shit. it was also sold to Apple for $15 million. Shockingly low. Amanda, <laughs> what do you think of uh, Apple Films as a landing site for Cooper and Would you have wanted it somewhere else? I, it's a good place for it, and I knew they were going to probably shell out the money for it because they did with Coda. Coda. I wanted mm-hmm. to see it in, like, 
theaters, like wide theater run, mm. but I don't know if it's necessarily that type of movie. Um, I just think that things go to Apple to die, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, they do, they get it like recognition, but like, if you don't have a streaming service, the streaming service you don't have is Apple. Like, yeah. it's one of those I things. Mean, so they're shelling out this money to bring people over, and they have really good shows, they have really good movies, but for some reason, mm -hmm. people just don't want to pay for Apple. <laughs> they just don't want to do it. <laughs> they have yet to have had a movie that really became, like... A kind of word of mouth sensation, like Ted Lasso has reached yes, that point. That, it's that different. did push and it, yeah. Even Morning Show, to an extent, kind of has some buzz. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, they haven't. They've had some big pickups with movies. They they've had Greyhound. They mm -hmm. had that more recent Tom Hanks one, Finch. Tragedy uh, of Macbeth. We just mentioned yeah. Coda, but none of those have like hit the service and then trended on Twitter. They don't yeah. explode, but at least they give them that like two week theatrical window. So yeah. there's a yeah. chance that Cha Cha will get it. But mm -hmm. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You, you met, we mentioned that it, it's kind of this year's Coda. I kind of feel like they're hoping it's this year's Palm Springs. Yes, because Palm Springs for Hulu was that this huge well. hit well, that people really, Hulu really came onto. Also had the benefit that Hulu doesn't exist anywhere other than the states. So to be on other streaming platforms, it had to source out. So in Canada, that was on Amazon Prime. Everyone has Amazon Prime. Everyone has Prime Video. It would be the same thing mm. overseas. That's where it would have gone in the UK. That's probably that also probably really helped Palm Springs. Yeah, is what I'm yeah. saying. But it is the biggest out of the fest because while 15 may not seem like a lot, the record as of right now it's is Palm the 20 Springs. something. No, no, no. It's uh, Coda. It's, it's whatever Coda got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the number one. Second yeah, Palm Springs would be, would second, be Palm yeah. Springs Palm... by 69 cents. Palm Springs beat oh, whatever wait. came before it by only 69 cents. Yeah, you're just mixing up the years. Yeah. Right. So Coda is number one. Oh, because Coda was like Springs. 25 million, I think. There is absolutely no reason why yeah. Apple had to pay an extra damn near $7 million mm -hmm. for Coda, but they did. They wanted yeah. to make sure that record was overbought. So knowing that Coda set it there last year, 15 for Cha-Cha in terms of the history of Sundance is pretty freaking it's good. Amazing. Like, I think we were talking earlier. I think that still puts it in the top five, if not 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to do like super quick research here. And as far as I can tell, like that might be the fourth highest sale in Sundance history. Me. I think Patty Cakes was third. I cannot might, remember. Patty Cakes might be up there too. So it might be like top five or top ten. Yeah, for second place, Palm Springs just wanted to beat it by sixty nine cents. Yeah, That's Palm it. Springs was seventeen point five point six nine. Do we know Codas? Do we know Coda Codas? was twenty. Coda uh, was a cool twenty then. Wow. Was it called twenty or twenty five? I, I thought it was. I thought it was twenty five. Might have been twenty five. I just Coda. hope. I just hope they get their money. Come February eighth, because clearly that's when they dropped yeah. all that money. Yeah, I was right the first 20, time. Coda is twenty freaking five, dude. If Coda gets an Oscar nomination, Apple will be rejoicing like freaking right. crazy. Twenty five. They'll is think it's nothing. worth it. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Yeah. That's nothing compared to it. So yeah. we'll we'll find out about that in a couple days, but uh, we'll see if Apple continues that streak for next year with Cha Cha Real Smooth. Then. I hope. Uh, the next. <laughs> Next up in U.S. Dramatic is Duel, directed by Riley Stearns, about a woman with an incurable disease that will kill her, who is encouraged to get a clone in order to ease her friends and family's impending loss. We talked about Duel during the honorable mentions of our top ten films of Sundance, so if you wanted to check out more of our thoughts, you can... Uh, go there. It has since been picked up by RLJE Films, which means it probably will get a limited theatrical run, maybe end up on AMC+. Uh, Amanda, did you have any more thoughts on Duel? 
I thought it was just really fun. Like if you're familiar with Riley's work, like he he basically just has his characters. They kind of talk like robots. Like it's just very um, devoid of emotion in a lot of ways. Just very like to Mm -hmm. the point. Um, And uh, especially when you take into consideration that this is a movie about somebody making a double of themselves, you would assume it would be the double talking like that. But when you have everybody kind of delivering in the same flat way, it makes things really interesting with the characters. I really like the uh, dynamic between Karen Gillan and uh, Aaron Paul was really fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just some some really nice moments. It's one of those ones that I think with like a couple changes, it probably would have hit a lot harder. Didn't like it as much as The Art of Self-Defense, but still a right. really enjoyable movie. Definitely worth watching. Yeah, you poking that? Big yeah. fan. Big fan of The Art of yeah, Self-Defense. I don't even know. Alina was asking me, she's like, how'd you get this? And I'm like, I really, I don't <laughs> know, man. Someone, someone must have messaged this to me mailed it to me mm-hmm. i have no idea uh duel is not my favorite out of the movies that i've seen from riley stern I, I still think it's pretty decent but it gave mm-hmm. me one of my favorite lines from the fest which was how can we be together if we can't even agree on a movie genre <laughs> amazing i really like that line yeah <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lot of great like weird tangential lines quirky yeah also, like very dark but it was, uh, <laughs> it was fine i don't know if you saw riley stern's was saying that he need he uh, needs to get a new critic. well that too but he needs to get a new Instagram handle and based on feedback of his movie uh, he was thinking of making his handle you're not Lanthimos <laughs> <laughs> bro Whoa. come on that, I thought that was pretty it. funny for him to it's say it's too late for him <laughs> is it funny <laughs> I don't think that's as funny as he thinks it is bro <laughs> you gotta lean into it you gotta embrace it oh my god <laughs> Sure, Zach. Emergency, directed by Carrie Williams, about two black friends and their Latino roommate who find an unconscious white teenager passed out in their apartment and debate how to handle the situation, picked up the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award for U.S. Dramatic, went to the writer K.D. Davila for her screenplay on the movie Art. Was this a good choice for best screenplay? among the U.S. dramatic movies. I would still put Cha-Cha over it. I mm-hmm. think it would be tied with Nanny for me. I think it's equal to Master for me, as well as 892. Uh, I don't think it's a bad choice to go for mm-hmm. it. I have a, a couple there that are uh, equal to it. But I believe this is also one where the short, which was, was written Sundance. and also directed by the same director, was at Sundance. Yeah. Take that however you will. <laughs> um, but I think all of us collectively really enjoyed the story. Uh, what did this get picked up by? It's an Amazon movie, isn't it? Oh, I, it may right. be a Prime movie, and yeah. for that, I think it's going to do pretty decently well with it being, you know, the story of this legend detour that these guys are trying mm-hmm. to pull while this whole incident happens and uh, how one scenario builds up to another one. Very good score going mm-hmm. alongside with it. Uh, I think this is definitely yeah. a, a crowd movie that you'd be able to watch with a group of people, which I think that Amazon may be banking on which, with it. It's got a star. Uh, partially why it won the screenwriting award is because it somehow does that tightrope walk of being an entertaining, crowd-pleasing thriller and kind of having the social issues in there in a way that's not like after-school specially, you know? I think when I read the plot description of this movie, as interesting as it sounds, I was a little bit hesitant just because it's like, like how how do you handle this kind of movie in a way that doesn't feel like you're, you're preaching to the choir or just doing it in a unnecessarily traumatic way and it kind of pulled that off even if it's not necessarily like a perfect script it's a pretty solid script so I I totally see why it won it's a good film for what it was if 892 the script wasn't as strong as Boyega's performance Mm. this would be one where the script elevates it to the point that I don't think both of the actors were bad yeah but I think they're like 
they were perfect for the role of what it was. Because what you have the main guy do is kind of look back at his history of how he sees his blackness, whereas you have RJ, who's bringing in not only an entire different perspective from what he's dealt with, but also I love how they dealt with their relationship together. Yeah. And if you don't have that chemistry between the two, you do not have a movie. Because mm-hmm. it really is a buddy trip movie. Totally. And Amanda, you had that on your uh, your top ten when we. It's gonna be a buzzy one. Yeah, yeah, like you know, it's really for the U.S. dramatic Cha Cha, Eight Nine Two Emergency. These are buzzy films. Yeah, these I are films you can watch with family agree. or friends. Yeah, Emergency and a couple of these other ones too. Just had I, I like the it's the the dynamic between the friend group. I think they probably pushed it above for some things, even though like I would probably recommend Eight Nine Two to more people and. Cha Cha was my favorite movie of the uh, of the festival, so I would have given the screenwriting award to it. But that's just me. Um, this was I just do feel like it it did that tightrope walk really well. It never felt like it went overboard in any areas. It didn't feel like it was pandering. It just felt really honest, yeah. both to kind of like the issues it was speaking to from like my outsider understanding of things, but then also just like honest to teenagers. And this is the same reason why I liked uh, Fallout last year from South by Southwest. Um, that it just feels Which is like out now. We haven't spoken to exactly. About that in a year. It's out now, and you can check Which it one? out. The Fallout on HBO Max. Yeah. yeah. So Damn. it's just it's people are kind of managing to tap into to things that kind of feel honest to the like the teenage high school experience in certain ways, or or the college experience. Totally. Uh, and it's it's really nice to see. It always feels nice when it, it feels authentic and not like necessarily teenagers that are little auteurs basically saying all these yeah. fun lines back and forth which has its place and can be fun but like there is something nice to like authenticity mm-hmm. absolutely they had a couple of my favorite lines we got to get buzz we're on a schedule yeah we're on a schedule <laughs> and it's like gold it's like goldilocks except we're the three bears <laughs> so good <laughs> moving on to master this one is directed by mariama diallo at a New England university, two black women struggle to find their place. Notably, Regina Hall stars in this film. Amanda, this was one of the few films at Sundance that might have fit comfortably into the midnight section. Did you find Master to be more satisfying for its horror elements or its dramatic elements? By the end, it's definitely the dramatic elements, I find. It, mm-hmm. it feels like it, it introduced a lot of, like, midnight horror category type things or, or um, like, tropes and things you think are building up to Folklore. other things, but then they all just kind of get abandoned because that's not yeah. the movie they're making. And uh, I don't know if it perfectly blended or, like, reconciled that out by the end in certain ways. Um, I think... They probably could have pushed a little bit harder in both of those directions and like really nailed this home. Um, but I think by the end, it does end up feeling more satisfying as like a drama than a horror. Mm-hmm. And you would say that you ended up liking it? Yeah, like um, it wasn't my favorite of this category, but I definitely like yeah. I enjoyed the performance a lot. Uh, I liked what it like what it was going for, what it was talking about in terms of the message. But I think because it entered an area where it was throwing some of that horror so firmly into your face to have that like not really be the point or for it to kind of like drop off after a little while felt a little bit weird. Uh, It kind of almost felt by the end there were some unresolved things that had been happening or things that had been going on in the movie that never ended up being like explained or talked about or gone back to in any kind of way, which which is fine. Mm This is one of those ones I felt like it was really driven by the performances, um, both by um, Regina Hall and uh, I can't remember the younger girl's name. Yeah, I think she's a newcomer. I think so. Um, She did a great job. She was fantastic. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those yeah. things. It's like, it almost felt like it went too far in certain directions and then didn't like finish out the wave. Uh, and then mm-hmm. not far enough in other Zoe directions. Renee. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Zoe Renee is that actress. Zoe Renee. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, of the, I ended up seeing 67 films for, from this year's Sundance. And of the 67 films that I saw, this was the only film that I left unrated on Letterboxd. Not because I like, didn't like it. I liked it, mm-hmm. but like, I'm, I'm still not sure how I feel. I about want to it. rewatch it again. Yeah, right. I do. I'd, I'd like, like to see it again. That, like, I, it totally is possible that those unsatisfying elements that Amanda's talking about will sort of remain unsatisfying on a rewatch, but it might it might just click differently knowing where it's going. Yeah. You know, it's it's not not a movie that opened itself up uh, for, like, easy interpretation, right? I think it, it's going to benefit from really sitting on it, really diving into it. Uh, I, I hope it benefits from it because there was a lot of stuff that I found really interesting there. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if I if I comprehended it at all enough to mm-hmm. really feel like I, I have my arms around it. Yeah. I feel like I got it. I just, I'm curious to see what a rewatch would feel yeah. like depending on where certain characters go. Yeah. Cause you almost have like two leads. Like you're saying, you're following the girl at the school, but then you're also following Regina's character yeah. mm-hmm. as being the master of the school. Mm-hmm. And when you actually look at the U S dramatic, you would consider Alice, all these movies, half of them deal with race. Yeah. Alice being the black exploitation version of it right you have emergency that's the super bad buddy comedy version of it 892 that's a dramatic thriller aspect of it master specifically takes place in a school dealing with institutions yeah uh and you have both of these characters dealing with that one who works within the system and then the you know the younger girl who's uh going up in it you know she's barely a student um one of the lines that i really liked from the movie was when one of the characters says just because you don't see something doesn't mean it isn't there Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, a historical book to a degree that they're looking back on. Um, I really liked the final message. Yeah. And by message, I mean like the speech she gives. Uh, But we were so confused on where it ended. And I think the whole movie was like that. We came in thinking we were seeing a drama. Then we all double checked to see if it was in the midnight. And then after that, we <laughs> we like went back to be like, wait, did it end by calling out a person the way we thought out that that person yeah. was getting called out? So I think that there's a lot of discussion in this movie, and with it being one mm-hmm. that's going to come on Prime, I'm curious to see how that sparks up because uh, the director had worked on Random Acts of Flyness, mm. so that's a show that's like in your face, but is in your face about an issue while really. Uh, having the subtext be the thing that they're talking yeah. about. And that's another show that also, yeah. or another piece of media at least, that has these like tonal shifts and will suddenly throw something a little bit different out so, there. Yeah. So I want to rewatch this one. Same. Yeah. Because yeah. you're watching it, it the whole time and your mind's like, why isn't this in the midnight category? I don't understand right. why this isn't in the midnight category. And then it stops being a midnight and, then and they're like, this has nothing to do with horror. This has to do with this. But there is a horror photo element to it as yeah. well. That's and haunted. it is horrific what's happening. So it's just, yep. yeah. Yeah. Very good performances, though, and this still isn't the best one from yeah. Regina Hall. Yeah, absolutely. We will get to that in a little bit, but let's stick with films that have folklorish horror elements, but are ultimately dramas about uh, racial issues and about outsider the one, issues. The one I was missing, and, number five. Uh, where we got Nanny, directed by Nikyatu Jusu. This is about an undocumented Senegalese immigrant who lands a job as a nanny to a wealthy Manhattan couple, but becomes a pawn in their failing marriage. This one took home the grand jury prize for U.S. dramatic art. I was surprised. 
yeah, what do you make of it's uh, the jury selection here? Oh, I mean, uh, I don't know who the jury was this year for this, but clearly, like I said, out of the 10 selections that you had, you have five of them already dealing with race. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what Nanny covers, does it do it more effectively than Master, 892, Emergency, Alice, and even more than that, does it cover it in a way where it's packaging of mm-hmm. it being the type of thriller that it is? Was that more engaging than Emergency? I feel all of them have a, a similar message, or it's yeah. commenting on race to a certain degree. It's what demographic right. is it going to be? Which one of these movies do you give that certain demographic? Because you can give the people who would connect to Emergency, Emergency. Mm-hmm. But if you give them something like Nanny, maybe they won't. Yeah. yeah. No, like, I think Emergency is like a movie that might get discussed a lot on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's that, that demographic of people. Nanny is definitely more of like the art house kind of approach to oh, this type good. of story. And it just take, talking about films that are well shot, you brought up Blood before. This is a beautifully shot film. There are some really striking yeah. images that, that stick with you in this film, particularly towards the end when it becomes a little bit more like uh, hor- horrific or ominous. Um, it, the, it, it is a little bit hard to penetrate the story. I think it takes its time to really kind of give you the satisfying answers mm-hmm. that make you feel like you know what the story is doing, right? What's real, what's not, what's the backstory yeah. some characters haven't revealed. And I would even say that it kind of rushes those answers, too. Like, I would have liked an extra ten minutes on the back end yeah. to I would kind agree of with you, yeah. sit in that moment. Uh-huh. Um, but I still think there's so much there that I found fascinating and, and layers to that story that, it, you know, it is really one of the striking films of this um selection like i'm i'm a little surprised by the choice i'm not going to say this is like an no, obvious I'm, pick here or anything i'm like surprised because i feel i see it more as a genre right yeah, yeah type that's of what movie felt because like of the so. elements that it brings in and that's why i'm so surprised with it you know i would have felt the same way if it was watch i would have been like damn a horror movie <laughs> um and and this straddles the line between being a horror thriller and even more than that um dramatic yeah uh what was a couple years ago i think in 2020 they had his house which is on netflix right now another movie dealing with immigrants who go from africa if i'm not mistaken to the uk and how they're dealing with the housing crisis there so this would be an inversion of that to america but uh about people leaving people behind family behind yeah yeah Yeah, like working so hard with like it's basically you know it's like this woman who's struggling so hard to like send money back to her family and get her son Mm -hmm. in america to give him a better life while she's dealing with someone else's child and they're right terrible she can't take care of her own but she got it yeah exactly it's like there's a lot going on and and it packs a gut punch yeah, and I'm curious to get into more of the folklore with it because I know that was another part of his house. Yeah. The more that you learn about their backstory, the more that you're able to appreciate what's haunting them. Yeah, really so. interesting. Like a whole area of folklore that I feel like I've never really been exposed to but never really gets mentioned in anything because right. they were so busy with just like our own like New England folklore and whatever the hell else yeah. is around here. So it's like really interesting totally. to see what other cultures have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say among the non-comedies in this category, this would be my choice to win. Uh, I, I tend to prefer the comedies, but... Man, I had to watch her right above Nanny. Yeah? Uh, my, yeah my top think... three for this competition goes Chacho, Watcher, then Nanny. So I think it would have been really cool to see that one as a horror take it but Mm -hmm. no i think that's really good for nanny i think it's really interesting to see how it split between the audience choosing cha-cha and then uh the jury picking nanny and i always love you know uh it being split between different uh movies getting the recognition so i liked it uh so we'll get to actually let's just skip to watcher we can uh, go out of alphabetical order why not why not watcher directed by chloe okuno 
It's about a woman played by Michael Monroe who joins her husband in Romania after he gets a new job. After they arrive, she spots someone in an adjacent apartment who seems to be looking back at her. Art, this one got picked up by IFC Midnight, so beautiful. it, it should be available on VOD, maybe even in theaters. Should horror fans have this one on their radar? Man, I think you should. If I you know so. Micah, you know she gets followed, and she gets <laughs> followed beautifully in this one. It is a perfect suspense little thriller that they shot completely in Budapest and takes place, I think, over there. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, so that concept of being able to have all these streets empty because of COVID and filming during COVID is such a huge benefit. That's going to be another thing we'll discuss for some of these movies, how they used COVID to their advantage mm-hmm. and did not even mark it as a COVID movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for this one, it just feels creepy because you are following her the entire time. And as an audience, you're either believing her or you're not. You're being led one way, you're b- being led another. Some people may find this a little too slow. Yeah. I think that's... I can see that. Okay. But you will get a conclusion. And I think that that would piss off more people than the pacing of it. I thought it looked beautiful. I thought her performance was fantastic. I loved the third act. I thought everything in this movie was firing on all cylinders and it delivered everything I wanted for a movie called The Watcher. Mm. Michael's great. She's great. Yeah. She's good she's, in it. She's so good. And, and it really does toe that line of like, what are you... Because it's, it's never your fault if someone is stalking you. I'll just put that out there. But like, what are little things that you might do that might make the audience question whether or not like something's actually happening or like what did you might maybe unintentionally do that like influence someone else even if it's not your fault and it does still go on them. It's just all these like little things uh, that were really interesting to see. Um, I, I was expecting it to end with like a certain line being said that wasn't said. It was kind of just said in a look and I can't decide mm-hmm. if the, if the, if the line had been said if it would have been better. But either way, really, uh, really enjoyed we'll that We'll talk after on that. Oh, we'll yeah, We'll talk absolutely. after on that spoiler. Yeah. But the director's done a pretty good job, VHS 94. I wasn't the mm. biggest fan of it, but I know that blew up when it got put on Shutter uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, and they're also remaking Audrey Rose. So for those horror fans, know that this is going to be a director who's going to be on the radar for, for a bit. And I think they've got a really good uh, original feature here with The Watcher. Yeah. I, I was a little bit unsatisfied with it. Really? Just, yeah, just like, I think it was a little bit samey and a little bit slow. Oh, but I love that because you're questioning her. Yeah. You, you, you're like, am I as guilty as the boyfriend? Or if I side with her, then am I, mm-hmm. am I overthinking it like she is? It's effective, and I do, li- I do really like a lot of those moments. I love the ambiguity of it. I just, I don't know. I, I, the ending also I didn't feel like was fully, like, made full sense to I kind of like it the more I, yeah. I think about it yeah me too <laughs> something is dumb about it <laughs> but I think I think it was really good I'm very interesting to see how this gets its release because you have yeah. IFC we we see these movies get picked up by certain people and uh, we'll be like damn that studio I don't know if they've got what it's take sometimes you'll get like a bleaker and we're like that may be iffy iffy yeah. IFC it's a good I, I'm a little bit site. more positive with it so yeah, I hope that they're able to site. get a good uh, rollout All right, the last one from U.S. Dramatic that we haven't talked about is Palm Trees and Power Lines, directed by Jamie Dack, about an aimless 17-year-old who becomes intrigued by the attention she receives from a man twice her age. This one won the uh, directing award for U.S. Dramatic, went to Jamie Dack. Amanda, what do you make of Palm Trees and Power Lines winning that accolade? I think it I think it was a well-directed film in, in terms of like mm-hmm. what it's getting you and how it 
brings you through how this like young girl is feeling and how this older man is kind of manipulating her in really subtle ways how he'll Mm -hmm. say something in a way that's like sympathetic and like wow you're so strong and then she'll go and turn that on the people around her so as if it's her own thought so he'll just suggest something or just say something like oh well it's like amazing that you do this like some people shouldn't do that kind of stuff and then she goes to the mom and is all like you know what like some people really shouldn't be this and it's like yeah. crazy how quickly just little encouragements and little pieces of sympathy and affection and attention can infect a young mind and right. make it, them feel it's like really it's good. Love. It's really good at giving you kind of like the step by step of this how manipulation. This yeah. yeah. And then how that, that lingers. So even if it gets to a point yeah. where you're like, oh, I think. I've made a mistake here, how those feelings linger and how they don't disappear, especially when they're, you're that younger age because like there, you do mm-hmm. have more hormones kind of running through you, so all your feelings are more heightened. Uh, and if you can't ever really be honest with the people around you as to what happened, you're almost destined to unintentionally fall back into certain behaviors um, because that's where you're getting the attention that you're looking for, even if you're being manipulated. Right. Uh, yeah, so yeah. in terms of like, that, I like, think it was handled well. Like, I say this as a compliment, but I think you could be 17 years old and watching the first half of this and kind of look at it like a romance almost, yes, right? Absolutely. Like a, a more naive, a more naive person. It's it's plays that you close enough to, to the chest. Mm-hmm. If you don't play it, then you're not giving people a real movie. Exactly. I think it's the best directed of yeah. the competition. Yeah. I really do. I love Cha-Cha. Mm-hmm. I love Watcher. I think this is the best directed of the competition because it makes you feel uncomfortable. This movie is disgusting. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's so the inverse of Red Rocket. Right, right. I know a lot of people love Red Rocket. I know people who had problems with Red Rocket. Myself, <laughs> the first time I saw it as well. He's credited in the thanks for this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they got Sean Baker in the credits. This is Red Rocket if you don't want to see the creepo right. as a fun going guy who you may accidentally like. But that's the point because you do fall for these people. Right. And yeah. in this one, like Zach said, that first half, you're almost thinking she's falling in love. She mm-hmm. is ignoring what her friends are saying. Yeah. This is so uncomfortable at points because I don't know how close this is to the director. She had made this for cons. She mm-hmm. had said it's beautifully she made, shot. Made the short film version. Yeah, it's beautifully yeah. shot as well, based off her thirty-five millimeter photographs of things that she had taken. Um, do you remember compliance? Do you remember compliance? Yeah, yeah. Uh, In compliance, when you're following it through and how they're walking. just yeah, they're just listening to the phone call and that mm-hmm. person say something. You're like, how could you fall for that? That is this movie. You are saying, how could you fall for that? Yeah. But the worst part is that this isn't one of those movies where you're going, how could you fall for that? Who wrote this? You're saying, how could you fall for that? And you know people are falling for it every day. Yeah, every single day. That is a very damn effective movie. It is. And it is a... You see it online all the time. about what happens in the third act. Yeah, like without spoiling it... it, There's something that happens in the third act where you're like, are you serious? It ends in a way that I find I found to be very brave. I find this movie more effective every day. The more I think about it, it's true. At the moment, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But then the more I... This is disgusting. And then you realize, well, that's the point. Yeah. I see that shit online the, every single goddamn day. Someone new pops up and it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I was talking to somebody in a Discord who was 14. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It, no, I mean, it's just like it's it's a really it, it's a really um, intriguing, dramatic choice that I think a lot of other material that's covered this is not necess- doesn't have the artistic resolve to make that choice. They right? want to make you feel comfortable. Yes. They want to make sure you know who's right, right who's wrong, mm-hmm. and they don't want to side with the fact that these girls see it completely different. Yeah. You have yeah. they really do a good job of putting you in the point of view of what gets people to be manipulated because 
It's a 34 year old and a 17 year old. We probably all know people think, who have gone through this. Like I had friends in high school mm-hmm. who were like dating older guys yes. and it was like cute, but oh, we yeah. were all like, that's gross. But we weren't like, no, no, no. This is like, we should probably be calling someone. Yeah. We should be calling yeah. someone. Like, Cause right. you're a kid. But no, it's a very effective movie. Yeah. I, I will give it that. So uh, we talked about all the movies in the U.S. Dramatic Competition, but I, I think both of you seem pretty comfortable with Cha-Cha Real Smooth as the, the winner here. Yes. Nanny, Watcher, and Cha-Cha. What's yours? I, I'd go Nanny, I'd go Cha-Cha, and I think I'd go Duel, actually. Nice. Ooh, I think she does too, right, Amanda? Um. Yeah, I'm so... It's either Duel or Watcher for me. Actually, I might go Cha-Cha, Duel, and Watcher. Hmm. That right. might be the order I go. I did really like Nanny, but I not think... Not Emergency? Uh, I think... What? Not Emergency? I like the Emergency a lot, too. Like, like I said, there's like a handful of movies that are just kind of like bopping around at different positions yeah. depending on my mood and how long I've sat with them and stuff. But like Cha-Cha is the only one that's like absolutely, completely safe. Uh, yeah. So then, yeah, there's like four that are kind of bouncing. We were talking... We were talking about this a little bit when we were still in Utah, but like, it kind of feels like there's tiers of Sundance movies, and yes. it's not as easy easy to really rank. But it's also not like terrible tiers where you're like, yeah. there's a lot here, there's a lot there. No, my like four and a half. I think I didn't give a five. My four and a half is beautiful. Yeah. My fours are so yeah. thick. It's crazy. I think this has been like my the most and fours and so three and a halves I've ever given it. And then it's just a couple threes. Yeah. yeah. I think you may have given a two and a half. I may have given yeah. a two and a half, right? Yeah, there's yeah. like a couple that, that I'd be that, like, mm. Everything's a four or three and a half this year. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just in a positive no, mood like this I, year for I 2022. Gave Cha-Cha it's just nice to see you guys. There's yeah. a bunch of four and a halves and then it's like down from there. Yeah. So to me, that's uh, that's a really good year, it's but uh, pretty year. solid for the U.S. Dramatic Competition. I think everyone's got a favorite out of there. All right, before we do the U.S. Documentary com- uh, Competition, we would like to thank our Inner Cutie Plus members, who are the Patreon patrons supporting the show. They are Julieta, Jessica, Tim, Garrett, Ewan, Tushar, Cademan, Connor, and of course the producer level patron known only as Awkward. And thanks again for supporting us. And a reminder, I don't know where that voice crack came from. <laughs> awkward. awkward did that. That's for awkward. Thank you. Uh, the reminder that you too can become a member of the Intercuity Plus team at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits, like early access to our intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the intercut discord, or an invitation to our monthly Patreon Google meetings. Woo! We owe one of those uh, we Patreon them, Google we them meetings. We've got to figure that out. We've been pretty busy. Yeah. But yeah, that we, we owe it because we've been watching so many Sundance movies. we got to get you this all these reviews, all these recaps. So and even more than for that, you. we're curious to see out of all the movies we're able to give away because I don't know how the, that's going to be for last year, but... Or if we really get in trouble with it. That was the one thing. Amanda, right. It was Amanda, I, and Zach, and we're like, I think we're... Well, we get in trouble for giving out these many movies, but yeah. ah, we played it. Screw yeah. it. We wanted to make sure y'all had all these yeah. movies. And with the way that if you were listening to all the live streams that we did during the actual Sundance recap, we were able to get some screener links, which meant that the actual ticket selections that we had uh, through press, we were able to give away to y'all. So, yeah. So uh, if anybody complains, like I can give you step by step explanations as to what happened to all in all these movies, because I did watch them Sundance. It's just we did. Exactly. Watch I wasn't going to let those but, um, tickets just sit there unused. So right. we have lost Shared our jobs, love. but we want to make sure that y'all got your <laughs> exactly. movies. Uh, and we figured that was we worth it. Because that's how we do what we do. Yeah. We put ourselves on the line for y'all. We don't know. So if we're not covering Sundance until 2025, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> 
But I don't think there'll be a problem there. I don't nah. know. We chose y'all before we even thought about the exactly. fact that this is going to appear. It was like halfway thing, through, and I was all like, "Can movies? we like start switching around who's giving away tickets? Because I'm worried they're going to be like that Canadian bitch has just been giving everything away. <laughs> she gave everything out and only saw two. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, hopefully y'all were able to see some really good movies with yeah. it. Uh, but that would be the reason with shh, damn near 70 movies, all the shorts that we watched and the traveling and the cooking and a damn screen video that, uh, yeah, we were pretty backed up. But um, let's continue on. Yeah, let's get into the U.S. documentary competition. Very good. A lot of really good Three movies Three of these year. were on our top. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one, why have we seen it three times back here at home? <laughs> Zach will get into it. All right. Aftershock, co-directed by Paula Iselt and Tanya Lee Lewis. This one took home the special jury prize for Impact for Change. It's an emotional and comprehensive look at the reason why a disproportionate number of black women are failed or being failed by the U.S. maternal health system. I put this one at number nine on my top ten films of Sundance. That's cool. I'm glad so, we yeah, we talked about it there. Checked out that podcast for some more thoughts on Aftershock. Should be on uh, HBO Max because it is a CNN film, so look out for it there. And for those of you who think, oh, it looks like a political movie, the same politics, but it's real life. And yeah, so- it begins with an FKA Twigs intro. Right. I mean, it's it's really, really good. It's really, really effective. I mean, I think the fact that they got this Impact for Change award speaks to how... That's a proper award. Right. That's a proper award. Exactly, because, like, there are so many issue documentaries that end up at a film festival or a film festival like Sundance, and, like, this is the one of all of them that I felt, like, I left it so much better informed and so much more equipped to, like, know what the problems are and yeah. try to address them, you know? Yeah. So it And just moved, you know? It's such an emo- emotional piece of filmmaking. But it's also historical, because yeah. there's a lot of these docs that I would say, it's like, we have a problem right now. Mm-hmm. This will be irrelevant in five years. <laughs> this is, like should be fixed. Yeah. But even if it does, you look back at it and you're like, nah, this perfectly surmises why the hell we even got into the scenario to begin with Absolutely. and who benefited from it. Aftershock is a very good doc. Uh, hopefully gets a very nice release on uh, HBO. Another thing that we're pretty confident is going to get a very nice release, Descendant, directed by Margaret Brown, the special jury award oh winner for Creative Vision. This it one does, it does deserve it, but again, I don't get these awards. Uh, this one got picked up by Netflix, and not just Netflix. This got picked up by Higher Ground, the Barack and Michelle Obama. Sorry, what are the previous ones? The uh, Oscar American winning. Factory. The American, American Factory. American, uh, Oscar winning American Factory. What was the other one from last year? Crip Camp. Uh, Crip that, Camp? But that was last year. That was like two years two ago. Two years yeah. ago, yeah. Um, so... We knew this one was fantastic, yeah. so we didn't need that stamp of approval, but that stamp of approval from Higher Ground is a pretty big deal. Yeah. They know how to roll out movies, they know how to release movies, they know how to get it in all these eyeballs, and The Sun is definitely that and, movie. And I think they've done a good job of not throwing around that label so much that it's like uh, deteriorated the value of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you talk about Crip Camp and American Factory. You get like one are, a year. Exactly. These are like elite documentaries, so they're saying like, this is... This is the documentary to watch. This is if, what we're gonna what's gonna represent our company this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I cannot think of a better one than the Sunday. I didn't uh, mention the plot description. It's following uh, the Africatown, Alabama residents and descendants of enslaved people that arrived in America on the last known illegal slave ship. 
So, yeah, I mean, did you ultimately come around to saying this was the best documentary you saw at Sundance? Or? Uh, no, I actually have two more documentaries above Descendant, wow. which is crazy to yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And only one of those is in this U.S. doc competition, which we'll get to in a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, but this is probably the most important. I don't know how to put it. One's yeah. a profile of an artist and the other one's a profile of a couple. Yeah. Uh, this easily is one that is still in the midst of growing excuse me, into a bigger story. And just the backstory that you have of it, not just of seeing these people in the present who are descendants of this and what what that does to that town, but also being able to look back as they archive and show you how this was even able to be done in the first place as a bat is insane. And it kind of sets up all the dynamics. Moving on to Fire of Love, which took home the Jonathan Oppenheim Editing Award for U.S. Documentary. Went to the editors, Aaron Casper and Jocelyn Chaput. Caput? I don't know how to pronounce it. Fire of Love. Oh, my my top favorite. Sorry, I was looking at a quote here, if you don't mind me saying from the sentence, just because I want to make sure you all have it on your radar. It wasn't a ghost story. It was our ancestors talking. Mm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Feel that Watch. in your bones a little bit. No, it's crazy, man. There's yeah. a lot of stuff in the that, that was like <laughs> insane. Uh, so the Senate on Netflix, Fire of Love. This one got picked up by National Geographic. Yeah, picked up by National Geographic, and they said they're going to give it a theatrical release as well, which is exciting. We're we're keeping our fingers crossed that that's in IMAX because like, man, I, I I need to see some lava in IMAX. Those red, give me those red volcanoes. Uh, so yeah, we we already talked about this plenty on our top ten films of Sundance stream because I had it at number four. Uh, it's a really wonderful job of telling the stories of Katya and Maurice Kraft. And lava, man. We were excited going in. We loved it coming out. Mm-hmm. Well, some of our favorites. Beautifully shot. The compositions are gorgeous. The music is gorgeous. I think we're still split on the narration. But <laughs> other than that, this is uh, one of the best documentaries. And a really worthy winning, winner of the editing award because yeah. they're going through all this uh, archival footage and assembling it in this beautiful way and uh, giving you that kind of dreamy atmosphere to the movie. And the way they bring up their, their relationship and they'll, they'll tell you a quote and then overlay that over specific shots of where they're at in uh, finding these volcanoes. It's just a beautiful love story and just a beautiful story of uh, uh, people's passions towards uh, what they love to excavate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Free, Free Chol Su Lee, directed by Julia Ha and Eugene Yi. It tells the story of Chol Su Lee, a 20-year-old Korean immigrant wrongfully imprisoned for a murder in San Francisco's Chinatown district. Uh, Art, I, I was trying to catch this one with you and I nodded off, but uh, at the end of an eight movie, nine movie day, there's only so much energy left. I thought it was really, really interesting in the first half, uh, just the story of how this guy becomes this the face of this movement without even realizing <laughs> it. He's in jail. Yeah, you yeah. have no idea that they're making him this entire figure, the Free Cho So Lee, which is the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. Was like, their hashtag before pre, they had hashtags? Yeah, hashtag pre hashtags. Uh, so you, you know you're covering the story about how you know an incident happens, and because the witnesses just see every Asian person as looking at, like an Asian person, mm-hmm. they blame this dude, and then he becomes this uh, you know the icon to this movement that he doesn't realize he needs to uphold. Right. And that was more so the second half. I don't think it was a bad movie at all. I think it was a very interesting breakdown on this story. Uh, one of the lines that really stood out to me was where you know he was being belittled, and I, his specific line was. Uh, I wasn't insane. I just didn't know English. And just shows you how, you know, in the 70s, what he had to deal with um, and what he was, what they imposed upon him because they didn't take the time to realize that he didn't know the language, you know, he wasn't that person who they thought he looked like, yada, yada, yada. But I would uh, co- combine this with, with what I believe you have next, the exiles. 
Yeah. Because these are two Asian stories of Asian people who are in America and the stuff that they have to deal with in not just their differences, but also in, and this was a South by Short, uh, being the model minority. Mm. I think that's a big aspect that comes to a lot of these Asian stories is that idea of subconsciously feeling like they need to be the model minority. Uh, and that's a big thing with Free Cho So Lee is that when he comes out, he doesn't come out a free man. He comes out as the face of this movement. Right. And he feels that pressure. It's like, damn, now I'm something that I'm not, I'm still not free. Right. That was the most interesting aspect of that story. Uh, and for the Exiles, which was the movie well, we've just, seen three just, times. Before we get to Exiles, um, Free Cho So Lee was picked up by movie. Movie. Oh, nice. Movie, Good that's right. Yes. Yeah, so that that's going to get a nice little theatrical release it and then should? it'll be available yeah. on streaming. And I think that's a really good home for it because they have a lot of very interesting kind of underseen documentaries yeah. there. So, yeah. Uh, Which is pretty good. Yeah, it, that should be available at some point soon. But the Sundance winner, Exiles, yeah. I think was a little bit better. All right, so the Exiles, the Grand Jury Prize winner in U.S. documentary directed by Ben Klein and Violet Columbus. It follows filmmaker Christine Choi as he, she travels with footage from an unfinished film about Tiananmen Square to meet with exiled former dissidents. A really, really fascinating film that is at once a profile of this very interesting character and eccentric figure in Christine Choi, but also like a bit of a history of these people who were freedom fighters in China at a time. Uh, well, I mean, not, not that it wouldn't happen now, but uh, who were freedom fighters at a critical point in history and had their lives forever changed because of it. And partially about like what happens to you when you you know, go through with something that's going to change your life and uh, alter it in this significant way. Like what happens to you psychologically? Do you come to regret your actions or do you become, uh, you know, driven by them the way that those, all those interviews with the former ex or the current exiles, uh, former student leaders and former business leaders and what have you are so fascinating just to see with how they grapple with their identity, not really belonging to any one place. It, I, I, you know, we, <laughs> I think sometimes when uh, something wins and we didn't catch it before the award ceremony, <laughs> we go into it a little bit like, okay, prove yourself. Yes. <laughs> this one proved itself pretty well. It proved well. itself yeah. multiple times. Uh, I think you had seen it full through. Some of us saw the first half and not the second, and then some of <laughs> yeah. us saw the second not the first. So we've been sitting through it and playing it, uh, and they've been really nice enough to send it to us. Yeah. Yeah, no, there is uh, two aspects of it. What you had mentioned was that you have people who have been disowned by their country, but they still feel at peace in their country that yeah. they have been exiled from it so they still want to go back home to a, a country that doesn't love them right yeah. and that was insane to hear from a lot of these interviews uh but also with christine Choi, it is 100 percent her doc she literally looks at the camera and goes you haven't seen my previous films well, maybe this is a perfect time for you to see my previous films um but it's also very smart in knowing what a lot of these docs especially at sundance yeah. and film festivals are they are a call to action mm -hmm. and to her she's like she says it in the movie y'all are not gonna read <laughs> so we have to make a movie. movie so we're making this movie and one day my previous movies didn't get awards but maybe my future movies will get the awards that they deserve and this one won it big yeah another award winner from the u.s documentary categories i didn't see you there the director reed davenport took home the directing award in this category this is a film about his experience as a visibly disabled person and it's shot by him as giving you a perspective 
or his perspective of the world. You know, a lot of times movies advertise themselves as like allowing you to walk in somebody else's shoes or see the world through their eyes. It's hard to think of many films that achieve that better than this movie. Uh-huh. It's, it's literally kind of rolling along You're with rolling him on the streets and like through the different walkways. Like one of the most effective moments is when there's like people blocking him. and like well, you, I, Yeah, you don't even know what's going on. You're like, what's happening? Right. Why doesn't he go the other way? And then you realize, oh, from the perspective that you're getting, he was just blocked. These yeah. people didn't care. Uh, but I think one of the things that is really striking about the film is these kind of visuals, these repeating patterns, whether it's fences he's walking by or pat, uh, walkways and stuff like that. Did you find all of that to be engaging when we were watching I Didn't See You There? I don't know if engaging is the right word for right. a documentary like this because to keep it a buck, you know, if you're going to go into this, you're going to be like, I'm just watching the camera like from the bottom right. <laughs> of the floor and you're mm-hmm. seeing it like that. That may not be the thing that I would say is exhilarating, mm-hmm. but you're... Like you put it, you're walking in this person's it's shoes. Experiential. Yeah, and and I it, I like the fact that this is in the U.S. doc and not in the next category yeah. because then you're saying that his perspective is experimental and it's, it's not the supposed innovative. to be yeah. exactly. It's not being innovative. It's just showing you the way that he sees things. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he puts the camera where he puts it. I'm very curious to listen to more about how he went about it, how he decided to shoot certain things. There's this whole dynamic that he lives in San Francisco, which really blew our minds considering. San freaking Cisco and how that's all laid out. Right. How to be someone in a wheelchair in San Francisco. But there is a carnival that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a tent that's put up for the circus with the circus having a history of the freak show. Right. And he plays with that a little bit. I wish he played a little bit more with that. Yeah. Um, but this is a movie where I'm more interested to hear him talk about it than I am to revisit it. But mm-hmm. it definitely puts you in his shoes of what he deals with uh, on a daily basis. And... Yeah, yeah. It, it takes its time. It's a little bit like a mood of a mood piece, but I thought it was very effective, and it's definitely stayed with me. So. I'm giving direction to the Sun and Bro. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I respect it. I respect it. But I'm glad I'd give it to the Senate. Yeah. Jihad Rehab, directed by Meg Smacker, about the world's first rehabilitation center for extremists. Unfortunately, we missed it. This is the one of two movies from U.S. Doc that we. That, that they mm-hmm. didn't give to us. One of our patrons, Connor, gave it five stars on Letterboxd. So I feel a little frustrated that we couldn't get around to Connor this Connor gave it five stars? Five stars. <laughs> what so. was the last five star Connor gave, though? I'm going to have to check that. <laughs> Probably after Gang. Oh, if you gave it after Gang, then I kind of got to believe Connor. <laughs> yeah, we did not get this one, so this may be one that we have. I've heard nothing but good things, so hopefully uh, y'all got to check it out. Maybe let us know if you saw that one. Navalny... Though. First intercom is. <laughs> yeah, just no, first. So we 50 minutes in, uh, First intercom is. <laughs> Navaldi. What did it uh, not win, Zach? Uh, well, it did the win Hearts the Hearts of Russians? <laughs> it did win the Audience Award for U.S. Documentary. It also won the <laughs> Festival Favorite Award uh, among all 84 feature films screened at Sundance this year. I think this is the first year they've done this award. Um, never been done because special. Yeah. So directed by Daniel Roher, and it's a documentary, obviously, about the Ru- Russian opposition leader, but it's not Alexei World Doc. Navalny, because he's an American. He's making the movie in America. No, he... Keep going. Keep going, bro. <laughs> Keep, Keep going. You Amanda, are you surprised that Navalny was chosen as the festival favorite? Not really, especially what was kind of like uh, brewing while we were at Sundance with it was just every day. It's all like more Russian troops are on the border of the Ukraine. Right. 
It's like Russia's trying. That's what we were reading every morning. Every single morning, it was like more troops on Ukraine's We'd border. We'd be like, so did you hear about the Ukraine? And we're like, what world doc is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was Klondike. So, uh, you know, to have something like this where it's like the opposition leader to, to Putin, uh, who has been poisoned more times than I think anybody's been poisoned and survived, who is now just like in prison, who's done all these different mm-hmm. things and kind of seems like this like, meme dude because he was like well if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna get involved on tiktok i'm getting get involved on youtube very proud of his tiktok very proud of his tiktok he's like his daughter's like i don't even know i didn't know you could do this and his daughter goes to like school in the united states and like the dad still knows more about tiktok and stuff so i am not surprised that this ended up being a festival Mm -hmm. favorite uh, especially not in like the doc area because it is a very well shot documentary it's very tight it's very fun he's a very fun person i think a lot of the times you think russian rulers you think these like very stern putin like guys and he's just kind of like trying to figure out who poisoned me and how let's do prank calls you know like (laughs) right no that's that's it exactly right this isn't the jury award where they're they're a couple jury members who are in the industry debating about what was the most Mm well-crafted documentary in the festival this is the audience award and this is a documentary that is both political so it's about something important Mm -hmm. world issues and kind of really fun to watch the 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 second act revolves around a prank phone call. It's so it, good. Like, and like, it just ends with like, think, yeah, that guy's dead now. Like it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Which is both chilling and a little bit funny. It is. It's like, but, this is the reality we live in. We, we're, we're talking, we keep bringing up documentary or films that you can show a mainstream crowd, not necessarily the intercuties who are watching our four hour Sundance recap. Mainstream audiences will like this documentary when it drops on HBO. It is not the best crafted in the festival, but I I really enjoyed it and felt informed. Do you believe that something could be propaganda, even if you believe in it? (laughs) Yes. To be fair. Yeah. What's up? I was just going to say. And, well, you agree, right? Yeah, like it can be. But I do also think that they didn't necessarily shy away from calling him out on a couple things. It's like, hey, there's people in these rallies that are wearing swastikas right. and different things like that. And then they had to get his like honest like, if they want to support me, I'm just going to talk to them anyways. <laughs> and like that's like to me, it's like, well, no, I don't think so. I don't think you want to be the leader that is like a safe space for Nazis. But... Yeah, yeah. It, it's it does handle him like a little bit with kid gloves. I I don't know enough yeah. about Navalny yeah, to be, to be like this is the deep dive. It we... definitely felt like the crew's with him. Yeah. And oh they're yeah. Following him to do his thing, which I don't think is a bad doc. I think those docs are more than welcome. Mm-hmm. Then this thing wins when... the audience award after it appeared midway through the fest, and then it that's wins... why you're bitter. And against then it, it wins the. That's one hundred percent. That's why I'm bitter on it. I was already like, oh, okay, I see the type of doc this is. Yeah. Ocasio makes these docs all the time. We had an Ocasio doc like that. It's about the end of the world. She in it for 50 minutes. <laughs> I get those docs. But come on, bro. And it wins a special jury award for the, the bestest of the fest? No, that's not a jury award. That's an audience award. It was an audience award. No, it award. won the audience award for best doc. And then it won what? The festival favorite, which was the audience favorite among all 84 features. Get out of town. I don't know why. I, I really don't believe it, it should was. have won. Audi- I don't understand how audience liked it more than every other I don't think beliefs movie. have anything to do with this. This is logistics. There is absolutely no way Navalny won all 84. 
Yeah. Over Chacha? Get at it. No, here's Over the thing. Cooper I, fucking I think Rafe? You. No. I saw I saw What'd some reviews on I, I didn't vote for anything. I saw reviews on Letterboxd of Cha Cha that were negative, right? Like there are people who didn't like it. So I can't I can't they imagine might have even flooded the people, it with reviews though. I'ma raise you the people who did it. It's the Russian bots. It's the trolls. You said it, bro. I had to raise you said it. <laughs> it was I just all of don't Ukraine. see Navalny winning it. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see Ukraine server farms. Him. I think it is a an interesting doc because he is an interesting character. He yeah, he is. He is very entertaining to watch. It is a really good pitch for the man. Yeah, but if you want to talk about a doc, that's that's a little bit. I don't think it's the best doc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why the jury it is a, an incredible profile on the man. Yeah, yeah. I would say a it's a very fantastic profile on the man. I would say it's probably the most entertaining doc. And that would be why yeah. I could see why juries would enjoy it. In this category. Like, mm-hmm. look at all the other documentaries. It's really heavy. It's really deep. Or it's like CNN documentaries, like the mm-hmm. TikTok boom movie. Like, in terms of things that were, like, fun to watch. Like, Navalny was, like, very Yeah, like, I love paced. Fire of Love, but that movie's a little bit sleepy. Yeah. I agree with you. No, he's yeah. a very energetic person. I'm just saying that that's why it won. It's like a... it. it it both has the weight of importance and it's like a fun time. So that the average wanna, person is going to give that one five stars. I just want to watch Navalny too so yeah. you can see how he got the awards. That's it. I know he's got an extra phone in there <laughs> that he did the votes for. All right. So let's move on to, uh, well, I guess the last bit of the category because we didn't see the Janes directed by uh, Tia Lesson and Emma Pildes. It's about the underground network of women in Chicago who helped women seek safe and affordable and illegal abortions in the 70s. Uh, We didn't get to see that one. The only other films in this category that we didn't get to watch. Let's end it with TikTok Boom, directed by Shalini Kantaya. It dissects the rise and the popularity of one of the biggest apps in the world, TikTok. Honestly felt like this documentary was so bland in its style and so surface level in its diving that it belonged on CNN. You know, I, I, I've talked, I talked to both of you guys about how my parents have asked me like, what's TikTok? Like, I kind of want to just sit them down and watch this. Yeah. Like, it's that's the easiest thing. Quick, yeah. But even, Amanda, you, you felt similarly? Yeah. But even with that, I felt like it almost took them too long to explain what TikTok was. Like if that's the kind of documentary, yeah. it was probably like 30 minutes in before, or maybe not 30, but like 20 minutes in before they would be like, this is what TikTok is. Right. It's also like, it's a documentary that's about TikTok that doesn't talk about how like dance crazes are a big just part of started. TikTok. I knew yeah. they weren't going to get anything into this. Like, right. Like it's, it's not, it like, doesn't have any of the nuances of it. It's just kind of the over. Yeah. Not even That's like these lame. are people are famous for beatboxing and dancing and doing all this stuff. But then it couldn't even mention like all of the people who got really famous doing all these dances, stole them from black creators. Right. Couldn't even just mention right. that. Right. It, you couldn't even cover the most basic couldn't even thing cover the basic, there. Most right. basic. Bro, Hotel Transylvania. They will not do anything for Hotel Transylvania. Is such a sidebar. But Hotel Transylvania 4 has the wolf doing a TikTok dance. And they credited the black creator because Amazon Prime said, we're not falling for right, that. Right, right. We know what's happening in the TikTok sphere. So how can the damn TikTok doc Documentary. not get it? Yeah. Sad part is this is coming from the director who did... Um, Coded Bias. Which I thought was pretty good from a couple years ago. I'm not going to be oblivious to the fact that the actual Google employee had all that down. And then the director said, that's really nice. Let me see your notes. This feels like the same thing. I was, he- I-, I still have the link for it, so I should be able to watch this to add for later. But yeah. everything you told me and everything that I overheard while we were watching shorts in our room, I literally was just like, is that Trump? 
Oh, so we're at the Trump part of the TikTok timeline. Yeah. It feels like the the GameStop documentaries yeah. and movies that right. they're making. It's like they're trying so hard to be first. Just be and on the trend. Yeah, there's one that the, the GameStop really one just came TikTok out boom. and it's like, mm-hmm. you guys didn't it's cover theaters, this, like, yeah. the big day. And he's like, oh, yeah, just, it's still just developing. Wait, so just wait. Like, yeah, just it. take time. Yeah. yeah, but they, but if they change it, they can't use the TikTok boom title because then TikTok boom will. True. Yeah, definitely the bigger disappointment in this category, and it's gonna be at South by Southwest. We just found out today. Oh wow! Yeah, you have a chance to skip it there too. World dramatic. Uh, before we get there, so what would you have given the grand jury prize to in U.S. documentary? There? Fire, love, descendant. descendant. Are you in Fire of Love? I, Fire, I love, Fire of Descendant. Am I tied? Yeah. Yeah. Same with you, Amanda. Fire of Love. Um. I'm gonna piss off our. I didn't see a lot of these. I pref- I preferred Navalny. I think Fire of Love is okay. a better documentary, but I had a way better time watching Navalny, so I'm gonna just piss off Art and go with that. It's always good to give Art a little just bit of crap on the podcast. Every once in a while, I need Art to make that face. To be Navalny fair, you gotta realize that Navalny a, was the first thing I Oscar saw doc. when the Scream video was completely done. I was running into yeah. all those problems, <laughs> but that was the first time I yeah. felt like I could sit down and be like, okay. You were just in the best mood for that one. Watching you can movie. hear Navalny in the back when it's rendering. It's Navalny <laughs> going, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? And it's just like my computer's like, nah. It's a good dog. Yeah, yeah. fine. All right, so before we get to the world uh, competition, on our pre-festival Sundance stream, we did a giveaway for the Blu-ray of Ryosuke Hamaguchi's film Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. So... That's available on Blu-ray soon, uh, or, or now probably, if you're interested in it, check it out. Uh, but thanks to everybody who commented and or emailed us their favorite film from Sundance, any year of Sundance. We had a lot of great entries. We asked people uh, and got responses like Little Miss Sunshine, Whiplash, mm. Buffalo 66, Swiss Army Man, uh, <laughs> and even a couple of responses from last year including one for the road. Ultimately, the random comment picker selected Sh- Shinjeonator, and they su- uh, they submitted the film On the Count of Three from last year. So congrats, Shinjeonator. You won the Blu-ray for Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Email us at intercutpod at gmail.com with your mailing address so we can get that sent your way. Enjoy some, some Ryosuke Hamaguchi. Always a good thing. Anyway... Let's get to World Cinema Dramatic Competition, the international drama films from Sundance. Starting it off with Brian and Charles, directed by Jim Archer, a film from the UK about a lonely inventor who makes a robot out of a washing machine. Art, this is probably one of the sillier movies at the film festival, but did you enjoy Brian and Charles? I thought it was cute. Yeah. That's it. Do you think a UK film should be considered world? It, it's we the, beat them. It's the international films at the Oscars question, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're ours. They don't count. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe you want to retitle this category like non English. Australia but... gets to be foreign. UK doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's only that's... only buddy, p- countries that we haven't been at war with. And Canada can be foreign when it's in French. But, <laughs> but that's right, it. Right. Australia is a constitutional monarchy, which means they fall under the UK government or the English government. So they, they Technicality. Do? Even New Zealand? Not New Zealand. Maybe New Zealand. I don't know, okay, actually. So New Zealand's foreign. New Zealand's but the UK is. It's, a cute, it's, it's cute. It's cute. It's yeah. cute. 
yeah, I, I don't mind the UK films competing here. Also, I feel like the UK films never end up winning these categories. Mm-hmm. So. Like Brian Jones. <laughs> yeah. But it was a cute movie. I don't know if Amanda got it. the chance to see I it. I don't think she did, seen, but like, I want her to. Minutes. I want her to. I feel like she'll enjoy it. It's got, I mentioned it has kind of like a Taika Waititi vibe. It feels a little like it's, what we do in the yeah, shadows. It but felt cute. Like the, what I saw was cute. I just haven't had a chance to catch up with it. But like, yeah. Old man lives in a farm. He kind of creates things. Yeah. One day he's a little bored. He's like, what if I created a robot? Right. And he starts by creating a, a robot and ends up with like a companion. You know, it's like if what we do in the shadows is strength was it's satire and like, taking making fun of the whole like idea of the vampires and everything what this one's strength is is kind of sweetness yeah right? it's got a, a little bit more of a overdose sweet <laughs> i think i liked it a little more than art did yeah i got that vibe as well <laughs> dos estaciones directed by juan pablo gonzalez this is a mexican film about a woman struggling to keep her tequila factory afloat and it took home the special jury award for acting went to Teresa Sanchez for her performance in the film. Art, you caught this one while I was napping. But yep. what did you think of Dos Decisiones? We caught this one right after Blood, a very patient movie. And I mean patient. I think that there are slow movies and there are patient movies. Mm. This is one of those that does what you hate the most. <laughs> and uh, so you specifically have the shot from Frankie that happened a couple <laughs> years ago at TIFF. And it is a shot of a hill. And you see the character as a dot. And they go all the way down. To and the camera the stays still. And the camera and just stays cut. still. There's no motion. Uh, so that's usually what I use as the point of reference for Zach. This movie likes a lot of those shots. Very still shots. Personally, I call it patience because I think by the time you get bored with the shot and you have nothing else to be informed of by the shot, it will move on to the next one. And I think it does a really good job with that. But there is, in fact, no lie, a shot of her doing the whole cliff thing. And I snapped it to Zach. And he was like, how many snaps is this? I'm like, bro, I think it's five. <laughs> I still think it is a very well done movie in terms of her having to face these corporations and a lot of uh, external forces. They're not just buying out, you know, uh, the places where she sells the tequila to. But there's also a big issue with even being able to make the tequila because she needs to be able to get the nopales and everything. Um, I thought it was a very good movie. I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought her performance was really good. I was very mm-hmm. surprised with her getting the win. I think she deserves it. I'm not exactly sure off the top because I haven't seen Girl Picture yet and I know y'all like that one. They also, with acting awards specifically at Sundance, they very rarely give it to like the celebrities, you know. Because mm. like we, we talked mm. about in our top 10 video um, that... The Halls, Regina and Rebecca, probably gave our favorite performances at Sundance. But it's very rare that I feel like Sundance will also give it to a big-name actor like that. But it was really good for her. She really does all her acting is in the eyes because not only is it her having to deal with this whole company as a woman, but it's also this new partner who she has who's helping her with it and the relationship that they have going on. So shout out to her. That was a very, very well-shot movie uh, and a beautiful theater shot as well in Dos Estaciones that I thought was... uh, once I have for the books. Nice. But uh, a pretty solid movie. I didn't love it as much as I wanted to going into it. Something like uh, Mexico's feature for 2020, which you knew I love uh, non-identifying features. Right. Um, th- I wouldn't have that as high as I did that one. But above Son of, Son of Monarchs? Or? Oh, yeah. I would put this above Son of Monarchs okay. by, by a bit. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Gentle. This one's directed by Anna Eastern uh, Namas and Laszlo Kuya. It's a Hungarian film about a bodybuilder who starts working as a specialty escort. Pretty interesting premise. And I think some of the early scenes are really interesting in just seeing her navigate a new world. And, you know, they kind of 
I think anything that tries to point the camera at a like underbelly world that hasn't necessarily been shown because a lot of the escorting she does is not like what you necessarily traditionally think of as escorting. I didn't see this Zach did. I just came in and someone's getting crushed by thighs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Zach, does this Sundance? <laughs> yeah. Or did you pay for something on my yeah. It's Like, I gotta know, man, this is my internet. Are you using a VPN? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know because I need to start from the beginning right. of whatever you're watching. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting things that happen. Did you say that he used a VPN? <laughs> yeah, I did. I absolutely did. Uh, there's some interesting moments in this movie, but I kind of feel like it, it's a little one note in terms okay. of what it's giving you. Like, she's, you know, she's kind of not happy with her life and being a little bit... Uh, there's elements working towards her, like, against her, and okay. I don't know, I made some choices that I didn't really find that dramatically interesting. It ended in a way that I feel like a lot of movies that do this thing where they're about people who live punishing lifestyles. Like there's like a formula to how these movies end now. Um, So it just didn't go as far or as deep as I think I wanted to, even though I thought there was some interesting stuff. Interesting. Chicago had sweat, which is what I compared it a lot to. That one, the big one at mm. Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I didn't love that movie either. Yeah. But this one seemed to have something interesting with the main, if I'm not mistaken, being a non-professional actor and actually mm-hmm. a bodybuilder. Performance, how was it? Was it effective? Did it? Yeah, I mean, I just think there was not a whole lot asked of her. Ultimately, it was it. It was one note. She was convincing, and I thought she was interesting to watch. But it, I wanted more things to happen. I think. Maybe the link will still be open on watch it. But the poster was cool, so yep. I guess there's that. All right. Girl Y'all picture. Like this one. I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah, hey. yeah. This is one directed by Ali Hapasolo. It's a Finnish film about best friends who work at a food court after school, swapping stories of romantic and sexual frustration. This one took home our audience award winner for World Cinema Dramatic. I feel like that makes sense it for does. this category because it is one of the more delightful movies. It is. Either this and or lesbians Leonor. don't quit. Lesbians don't quit, Zach. <laughs> They'll find it and they'll vote for it. <laughs> Apparently, uh, we already talked about the girl picture during our hidden gems of Sundance Dispatch. So you can circle back to that episode for some more thoughts on it. Uh, but Amanda, you you were you're still really hype on this one. It's one of your favorites from the past. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I'm just for one, I'm a sucker for coming of age stories. I'm a sucker for anything that deals with gal pals. Like it's just one of those things that really hit. <laughs> hit the demographics for me. And it was like really well told. Like all of these girls, um, like the three main girls have like very distinct personalities, very distinct struggles and very distinct like worldviews in a way that it doesn't feel like they're trying to check off boxes. I think that's something that you've said, Zach. Like they don't feel like they're, this is the this one, mm-hmm. this is the this one. It's just that like these are, they're people with rich backgrounds and characters. So it was like really, really interesting watch. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely a recommendation from the festival. Uh, moving on, we have Klondike, which took home the directing award from World Cinema Dramatic. It's directed by Marina Ergorbach, and it's about expectant parents living in the disputed territory in eastern Ukraine near the Russian border, whose lives are violently interrupted by the crashing of fl- the Malaysian Air Flight MH17. Yes. Very interesting premise for a story, uh, and kind of interesting approach to how they did this one it's very internal it most of the shots are either in their home or in the area immediately outside their home 
and the, it's very much focused on kind of like the marital life of this family and how they're dealing with uh, arguing between the brother-in-law and the husband and the, the wife is dealing with her new pregnancy and trying to get the home in shape for the baby in ways that, you know, uh, because they're in a military zone, like are, are more significant than your average. So it's got this very small time drama, but in the background, it's this very big drama playing out in tanks that are being carried behind them towards the battlefield or literal plane crashes and debris that they're navigating. And, uh, the, these, uh, uh, you know, these, these soldiers who are coming through and, uh, taking things from homes. Their just, house is literally missing the entire living room. Right. It's, <laughs> and they just nonchalantly sit down and then they'll cut to somebody. You're like, all right, so they're in the room. And then they cut to the other angle and you're like, it's the stars. Yeah. The, the way that the camera it's will. It's funny. The, yeah. It's got this humor to it, but also but it, this unsettling so nature. Serious, yeah. yeah it, the way that the camera will creep around the room, it's very, very well done. And I think you can see why it ended up picking up a directing award if you watch this movie. I it's a little it's a little bit like hard to figure out at first but sitting with it I found myself more and more uh involved in the story and really taken with what it was trying to do it, definitely a, one of the worthy award winners if you ask me I thought this was a very interesting movie um one of our one of our favorites though from the world cinema dramatic competition is Leonor will never die written and directed by Martika Ramirez Escobar it's about a former screenwriter who enters the world of one of her unfinished screenplays after a TV falling from an apartment hits her on the head and sends her into a coma. I mentioned this during our Hidden Gems of Sundance episode, so you can go and hear our thoughts on it there. Uh, it did pick up the Special Jury Award for Innovative Spirit, which is one of those silly-sounding titles, but I kind of think it fits here. It's got an innovative spirit to it. Uh, Amanda, you hadn't caught it when we did that Hidden Gems yeah. episode. What did you think now that you've had a chance to see it's, Leonor Will Never Die? It's so charming. It's just one of those yeah. ones that really could have gone either way when you look at the description for it, but they really pulled it off. It's doing a lot of things that like other movies or concepts or things are trying to like tap in on but really not managing to actually do the thing that they're setting out to do mm -hmm. and this just really does um but yeah it's very very cute very very fun little movie yeah a lot of fun <clears throat> um Marte Um, Mars One, directed by Gabriel Martins. It follows a family of optimistic dreamers following the disappointing inauguration of a far-right president. Amanda, I yelled out, surprise lesbians a few minutes in this movie. Amanda dropped everything she was doing <laughs> and sat down. We missed that part of the plot description. Okay, look, I just uh, picked up my laptop and moved over. Like I <laughs> She chugged it. She's like, I got a new one. Do it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't in the description. I'm going to be completely honest. The lesbians were probably my least favorite part of this movie, and I still <laughs> liked them. It was just Good. that there was I a, get to catch this one. So. Yeah, there's just a lot of other compelling stuff. It's just this whole family dynamic going on where, like, this kid mm -hmm. who's an amazing soccer player and uh, in Brazil, I believe this is in Brazil, right? Yeah, yeah. In Brazil, soccer is a huge thing. Football is a huge thing. Exactly. Uh, it's this massive moment and stuff that, like, that, you know, parents would share with their kids. So to have a... Uh, a 
father have not only be able to share something with his with the son but the son actually being like so good that there's a chance that he could go on to be like a pro player would probably be this amazing thing but this kid just wants to be on the first trip to mars he's really smart he's really into science he's got all of these different skills and then on the other side you've got the mom who's just like thinks she's the jinx she's just this walking disaster everywhere she goes horrible things happen um, so there's just a lot of really interesting dynamics going on there. And then when it ends, it's just this like really tender, sweet ending. Things aren't perfect. Things yeah. aren't completely resolved, but like the family has come together in a really solid way and like their differences have kind of resolved themselves. And I thought it yeah. was, it was really sweet. Yeah. It, it's like a very well done family drama mm-hmm. with a lot of things happening around them in the environment. I just thought it was a very effective mm-hmm. at giving you insight into these characters so not one of the one of the splashy films from sundance but a solid entry Mm -hmm. uh the cow who sang a song into the future this one is directed by francisca algeria it is about a the long deceased magdalena who returns to the family farm and unearths some (laughs) long-held secrets art i think alina was the only one of us to catch this in full no, I got you, to catch it, you yeah. got it? Okay, but I cool. had to catch it in part, so I saw like one half one day and then the other half before the, the link expired. I think Alina liked it more than I did. Okay, okay. I was very skeptical about it in the beginning, but you do have this town where all the fish are dying, and you have this daughter who's returning home, and she's having this entire kind of uh, battle between her daughter, because mm-hmm. to her it's like, now you're my son, and they're like, no, I'm your daughter. You don't get to decide that for me. And while the mom's dealing with their kid, her mom ends up coming home, but she's been deceased, for what most people know, for decades. She ends up appearing while all these fish are dying. So it's a very interesting story that they have going on there. Um, again, this is a Chilean film, right? It's a Chilean film. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, I, I think, literally, because I had seen the first half when I told you, I was like, I don't know, I'm not really feeling it. Yeah. And then it was the second half that actually built it up mm. a lot more when you start seeing the, the familial tensions uh, that they're going through. But I, th- I thought it was pretty decent. I have it, what would be in the middle of it. And I do want to watch that one again, just, you know, to properly see it right. uh, all in one go. Mm. Um, but I thought it was an okay one. Nice. I have it just above Brian. <laughs> just <laughs> above Brian. So just so you know. All right. Respect for Brian and Joe. Um, <laughs> Utama, we just caught this one more recently. This is the last one we watched, right? So depressing. We were like, do y'all want to see, what did we keep saying? <laughs> the Bolivian deteriorating couple. Yep, yep. This one is directed by Alejandro Loazia Grisi, and it's about an elderly Quechua couple in the dry lands of Bolivia debating whether or not to leave their home for the city after their grandson comes to visit. It won the grand jury prize for World Cinema Dramatic. We're so lucky to get it right at the end because our link had expired and they rebooted it up for us. Thank you very much for that. What'd you think? I thought this one was really interesting. You know, it, I, we were kind of dreading it because the plot description was like, this one is slow. It is and defensive. It, it is li- yeah. And it is, but it's also really depressing. <laughs> and it's one of those where it's a very well-made depressing film. Yeah. But nonetheless, kind of like a more. Mm-hmm. You know you're going into a more knowing that they're deteriorating in front right. of each other and they still need to love each other. Yeah, that's what's going on here. But you also have all of those external forces because they live in a little damn ranch in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and they have to make this trek. And the grandpa refuses to reveal what's going on with them. And you have this push and pull, not just dealing with a couple, but also a third, their yeah. grandchild who's there. Uh, and the different opinions that they have on what's going to be best for the farm and, and whatnot. 
it looked beautiful. That was one of the things we were playing it off the iPad. We're like, now we got to make sure that this is in sync, best quality possible. Definitely up there in my tops of the most beautiful looking films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you had any more. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we we talked a little bit about how sometimes the uh, slower movies can be frustrating for me. And I, I didn't find myself getting frustrated with this because I think uh, it made a good, it did a good point of making sure that the shots that were there and the yeah, shots that took yeah. their time really were relevant and actually moved the story forward. It's not necessarily just sitting on a shot. And then running the runtime, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just lengthening it for lengthening sake sometimes. You'll be sitting there. Your problem is when you're watching something and you've gotten everything, all the information I've, and more that yeah. you need from the shot and you're just still waiting. And yeah. then that's going to happen for all the upcoming... You know, I think the reason that it got that description for being slow is there's not a lot of dialogue in the film. There are scenes where they really talk, but then there'll be stretches where you're just kind of following him as he goes through his journey uh, along the drylands or with his animals and it's in those moments that I actually was pretty surprised with how effective the filmmaking was at just sort of giving you like little mini arcs of like oh he's feeling his health is starting to fail or, or the the animals are starting to you know uh, it, it is has these little mini arcs that keep you engaged along the way that Ultimately made this one really effective, uh, really interesting story from a part of the world that I, I've never seen a film from. So I, I liked it a lot. I don't know if it'd be the one that I would give the award to in this category. Neither for me. In yeah. fact, I have Klondike above Utama. I think I would have Klondike above Utama too. That's a crazy double feature right there, Klondike and Utama. Yeah. Let's talk about the last film in this category. It's You Won't Be Alone, directed by Goran Stolevsky. It follows... A young girl in 19th century Macedonia who's taken from her mother and transformed into a shape-shifting witch as she wanders wanders assuming the form of whoever she kills. Pretty interesting film, a puzzling Mm -hmm. film, a bit of an atmospheric film, but ultimately it might be the film that I liked most from the world dramatic category. Wow. I can agree with that. I think it's a really interesting film that, you know, while it has these kind of witchy elements that might sound like they're horror, it didn't really feel horrific to me. That was a discussion we had, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's this exploration of life and what, you know, we, we just were talking about walking in somebody else's shoes. Like, she's doing it in literally the, the most literal sense possible. And what it is like to experience things differently from different perspectives to be be a woman and then be a man or then be a dog or something you know i i think i think it's a pretty beautiful film and one that i wasn't expecting to be quite so so taken with yeah i'm uh, i'm really into movies that are like what does it mean to be human and stuff like that right. and this was just kind of like a really we had a couple of those this festival uh, this wasn't my favorite but it was one of the more interesting looks at like what that concept is and what it can mean um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was really, it was just really nice. It's one of those ones, like the longer you think about it, the more like it, it kind of like settles in on you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And this one's from Australia. So mm. it is world dramatic, uh, crazy prosthetics, I will say yeah. not just from like the everyday things that they needed for the witches, but just the, you know, the stuff that they do to each other. There's mm-hmm. some pretty mm-hmm. horrific shots that happen. And a lot of them, it's very interesting because it's shot, it's I don't want to say four by three, but the aspect ratio is a little bit taller. And then a lot of the shots are very much close-ups. Like there are a lot of moments where she's experiencing things in this new body and they're shot, they're shot pretty close. Mm-hmm. So you're not knowing like, was that a bite? Was that a scratch? Was that a, like, what was it that happened with between those two characters? Why does it say focus features in the corner? Of the <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other question. But with it being focus features, it should have a pretty uh, pretty big rollout. Are you sure this was is it that one focus that you catch. features? Are we sure it was 
focus features. I, 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 I think with the big focus there features being There was something right on the, the corner, corner of the screen the whole yeah. movie. I just can't remember what it was. To let you focus on it. <laughs> um, this would be one that I'm, I'm very interested in revisiting it. Uh, definitely not uh, for the sound design, mm. for its visuals, and then uh, just story. So yeah. pretty good one. So... I think this is the one that I would have chosen from this one. It sounds like this is the one that Amanda would have chosen from this It was this between category. this or Marte. My top three. Yeah. Ooh, damn, I should have called Marte. Okay, because I, I could still catch Gentle and Girl Picture, but I think Marta's... Oh, shit, picture. right. Girl Picture's top- in this one. Girl Picture's mine. Yeah. Sorry. Girl Picture's yeah. number mine. one? Girl's picture, yeah, my number one in this category is Girl Picture. Sorry. My bad. My my three would be Dos Staciones. Mm-hmm. You Won't Be Alone. I have to give it to Lenore. Yeah, Lenore, Lenore would be in my three yeah, for it's, sure. It's too damn charming it's so charming. Yeah. So those would be my three. Yeah. So let's round this out with the World Cinema Documentary Competition. (laughs) A lot of downers in this category, but a lot of really good filmmaking, too. Let's start it out with A House Made of Splinters, directed by (laughs) Simon Lerang Wilmont. Not the worst in terms of quality, but but this this is the one that made Art cry. Literally, I think there was another one. I don't know what we were watching. It could have been a short that got me really close. Yeah. But this is the only one that welled up my eyes. And I literally, I stopped what I was doing. Because for a lot of these, you know, we'd take turns in the kitchen and one of us would be watching it like that. Yeah. I just stopped what I was doing. I went, I sat down, I was like, <laughs> I need a moment. <laughs> Koila, I'll adopt you is what I said. You have these documentaries that have to deal with that line of, do they just capture all of this horrendous stuff that's happening? Or do they intervene? Mm-hmm. And it's in the not intervening that they capture the authenticity, mm-hmm. the really just the worst of the worst aspects that are happening in this orphanage and how these kids are yeah. treated, the cycle that they're in of not just not having a family, but when they finally have an instance of creating a dynamic with another orphan or somebody mm-hmm. else who works there, it is stripped from yeah. them and they go to another house. How are they going to treat them? Mm-hmm. Are they going to make more friends there just to be stripped apart again? Ish. Nah, this was the one. It's a tough one, man. I mean, this one takes place at a temporary house for abandoned children near the front lines of the wars in oh, Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, so like yeah, every yeah. they had, you know? We had a bunch of uh, Ukrainian-Russian conflict movies at Sundance this year, but this this one was the saddest of them. And this one follows the children as well as the small group of social workers that try to provide comfort comforts in this rundown facility. So it's like, you know, they don't have these, these like, luxuries. Yeah. They, they're really just... It's just the orphans and the people who are trying to keep them from, you know, collapsing under the weight of that sadness. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just a great documentary at showcasing what humanity is like under these pressures and, and yeah. in this situation. And, you know, I, yeah, maybe sometimes it feels a little bit like you're almost seeing moments that are too intimate to that. to spy in on. Yes, but at the same time, it is it is hopefully bringing you a little bit closer to people who are experiencing this terrible thing on the other side of the world. That's my biggest gripe for it. I think I have it like a five or six in terms of my docs, even though it is the one that emotionally pushed me the most because of what you're seeing. But there are moments where you're watching them and you're like, why would you be capturing this? Like, why would the kid act like that? There's a moment where they're capturing the kids smoking and I'm like, why would the kids allow themselves to be caught smoking? But he, he kind of likes to be caught. But he also likes to be caught. And that kind of, you're like, is that making the movie even crazier right. for what they're really capturing yeah. in this kid? Or is it being more exploitative? And that's my biggest gripe with the mm-hmm. movie. But I cannot deny that I sat there and just followed these children and it, it, it wrecked me. Yeah. So yeah. this it, comes from the director who did The Distant Barking of Dogs. If mm. that's a movie that stood out to anybody. But yeah, out of all of the movies, all of the documentaries and all of the narratives and all of the shorts and all of the virtual reality, 
this is the one that that got me the closest to tears. And it won the directing award for this category as well. Well, there you go. So Sundance feels better. Mm-hmm. All That Breathes, directed by Shaanak Sen, about brothers who work to care for injured black kites, a type of bird, after they fall from New New Delhi's heavily polluted skies. This documentary, of course, coming out of India. Uh, And it was the Grand Jury Prize winner for World Cinema Documentary Art. You felt like this wasn't the best category, best documentary in the category. I think a doc can be really good. Hell, it can be really, really good. But is it really, really, really good? Right. <laughs> this, I felt, was more... Uh, it was stronger as a story of these brothers and yeah. the stuff that they were dealing with and what they wanted to be at the beginning, uh, the certain journey they were taking as bodybuilders and how that helped them to really understand uh, different muscle movements and tendons and stuff and how they use that to take care of these birds. Mm-hmm. And it's these brothers who they bicker and they argue and they fight of what the best way is to take care of these birds. But nonetheless, they all have the same vision, taking care of all of these hurt, uh, specifically what they call them, Black kites. Kites, yeah, because yeah, they kept referring to kites that were in the air and the help that they needed for them. I think that's the strongest aspect of it, the mm-hmm. way that they all had different visions, not just of how to take care of the birds, but for their own lives. They all still wanted to do the best possible right. thing for them, but it meant moving maybe away from each other if that's what they decided to do, uh, locating funds in a different way. It's a really good doc, mm-hmm. um, but probably not my pick for the award that it won, which was the big one. Yeah, I do like the fact that it was balancing both this sort of familial aspect and then like their their charitable works. <laughs> They're and, bickering. Half of these shots yeah. are two brothers bickering. Like for me, I love when a doc, you know, sometimes I feel like a movie needs to have some standout scenes for me to think okay. it's really good. And like I, I it's I'm gonna really remember them arguing about whether or not to go in the water the and swim for and, the bird, yes. And and that's where they're my, gonna swim to shore. Right. Yes. Yeah, like that's a, a scene that kinda encapsulates the whole movie yeah. really well. So moments like that, I think, are really good. I don't know if it's my choice for winner from this category either, but I did think it was a really strong documentary. This is that doc that goes, the birds, they ain't saved me. (laughs) Or I ain't saved them. They They saved saved me. me. Yeah, exactly. But it's decent. It's decent. Calendar Girls, directed by Maria Lufund, about a group of senior volunteer dancers who perform benefits while battling their aging bodies. Art, what did you think of Calendar Girls? It was cute. Uh, this is one where the directors, I know, did everything. Like, I think they shot it. I think they mixed, recorded. They composed the movie. I called it um, Karen's TikTok. That's my interpretation of the movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. Very cute movie. Coming from Sweden? Yeah. Is what I mean by the Navaldi stuff. This is a, it's a Sweden movie, even though it's about Florida. Yeah. Mo- like women in Florida. I, I think it's an interesting doc. You know, you have these women who not only feel that society is telling them they can't do something like this, getting into a group and dancing, but it's also their bodies. I think those were the ones that really got me where That's they're like, the, like yeah. I physically cannot do something that I'm passionate about. And I like, I, I don't know. I think of, we watch movies for a living. If you lost your hearing or your vision, right. Lord forbid, like. That changes everything, yeah. the whole aspect of it. And you see it in these women as they're being interviewed, that this is a passion that they have and they don't want to get rid of it. Really cute doc. I think you and I said the worst part about it, besides it maybe not being the most invigorating thing, is when you put it next to the territory and right. and right. a house made of splinters. It just You're feels not really slight. caring yeah. what, what a, a mom in Florida is going through in terms of her routine. It's the type of documentary I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I didn't watch it in the middle of a 67-film week. There right? you go. Yeah. But it, it's cute. I, even Well, even if you didn't see it in a 67-film week, it's you know, sweet. you're watching three movies on, yeah. on a weekend. I still don't think it's going to top it. But it's an interesting look at these uh, the women, and, and even more than that, just people who have a passion and aren't stopping anything. 
from them achieving it. For sure. I, I do like a line that they say in it. If you're going to join the Calendar Girls and your husband doesn't like you taking extra time, then you are not Calendar Girl material. <laughs> and I was like, damn. A lot of good attitude in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Midwives. This one's directed by Snow Knee Eyed Lane. It's following women who run a makeshift medical clinic in western Myanmar amidst the country's persecution of Muslim groups. And it took home the Special Jury Award winner for Excellence in Verite Filmmaking. And I, I see agree? why it won that award. Yeah, because I think it does a really amazing job of kind of just being there for these moments like we were talking about with House of Splinters, like moments that it almost feels like you shouldn't be able to see, uh, see in on. And maybe a little bit less of a voyeuristic quality to this one than House Made of Splinters because it is in these medical facilities and maybe we've seen more medical docs, but I think just the way that it navigates all these different things, right? Like it's not just that they're running this makeshift clinic in a part of the world that needs more medical uh, medical care, but they're doing it while the government is trying to persecute the very people that they're trying to care for and trying to get them to not care for these people. Yeah. So it, it makes means tension is high. It means stakes are high. I made sure that you got to see this one scene because you it it was a really good example of how the woman who's in charge of this whole medical clinic, the type of attitude she has to have in order to make things function there, right? And I just think it does a very good job of giving you these really telling moments and really interesting characters in, in a precarious situation and a really interesting uh, time in history for this this place. Uh, yeah, it, it was very good. I, I'm glad that we were able to catch this one because it's a, a stand-up documentary. I have to catch the screener for this. I got the one scene that you said. And it had that energy of riding with fire. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's mm-hmm. like, we're going to get stuff done. And we're going to get it done without you being in the way of it exactly. from that one scene you showed me. Nothing compares. This one is de- directed by Catherine Ferguson, and it takes a look at the life and career of Sinead O'Connor. Mm. Art, there are plenty of documentary profiles out there, but what stood out to you about Nothing Compares? So if you don't know anything about Sinead O'Connor and really the career that she had and becoming this really big icon and the concept of her wanting to go away from every feminine studio uh i guess checkbox yeah that they wanted for her so she shaved her hair so didn't she, want to be like a pop star she didn't want to be a pop star she didn't want to have all these like whatever tunes which she still had but she would do spoken words she would do all these different things and i think what the doc does well is that it covers all of her influences from ireland from her own personal family from the catholic church from rasta all these different things that inspired her or had some influence and how that leads to a pivot pivotal moment in her life on Saturday Night Live, which mm-hmm. I think is what most people know about when it comes to Sinead. I really like the doc. Mm-hmm. I really like how it takes all of her past and how it builds up into that moment. I, I, Amanda, I don't know if you caught yeah, it. No. I'd be really curious on your thoughts. I think you may enjoy it. I what do wish saying, that it went a little bit more. <laughs> no, 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 because it's a really good doc. I, I, I think you would, I think you would no, enjoy I the doc. Because yeah. as an artistic person, it's like... You have this moment that derails your career. That's, how, yeah. that's the phrase yeah. I would use. Derails your career completely. And you look back on it and you realize what influenced all those different aspects that she brought on mm-hmm. that one night. And I don't know. I think it's really interesting because I think we've seen a lot of things. Another one, which would be you know another music doc with the Kanye doc, mm-hmm. is that you look at part one that takes place in the early 2000s and you go... He really is no different than he is now. So this is kind of the Sinead one where she's right. like, y'all thought I was wrong. 
Yeah. And it now, literally took 15 years for y'all to realize that what I was saying on that Saturday Night Live thing, y'all canceled mm-hmm. me and you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Mind you, the doc doesn't cover 50% of her story. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the one thing I would say against it is like the doc stops but in the 90s. It's a good doc. Yeah, it's, it's a really no, good doc. I, I recommend it to you because it wasn't in my top docs and we both ended up liking it, which is why I think you should watch oh, it. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see it, yeah. I kept forgetting it was there. Like I knew there was a Sinead O'Connor documentary and then I kept forgetting. So. I think you still have the link for it that, yeah. that you'll be able to catch it. But the, the craziest thing is how can you have a doc called Nothing Compares, which is her big song, and then they don't even have the rights to the song? Well, now that Showtime picked them up, maybe Showtime can give them the money to license that the would song. Be funny. If they made that much money off of Cosby, then maybe. Let's hope. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a very good doc uh, uh, from the point of view of an artist and, and what they grew up with. Very interesting. Yeah, and, and kind Surprised of. Surprised by it. it. It's one of those documentaries that, you know it's really good at showing you how she's maybe a little bit out of time or how like, even if she wasn't embraced then, it's for qualities that she would have been, bra- been embraced for now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I, it really resonated with me. I thought I, it was very I thought it was really good. Very interesting profile on her. Yeah. Let's move to Sirens, which was directed by Rita Baghdadi. This one follows the band Slave to Sirens, the first and only all-women thrash metal band in the Middle East. I thought this was a pretty interesting story. Another kind of verite following of uh, people who are, are dealing with some precarious situations and that like they're not really in a position to perform publicly often in, in their situation and they don't have the resources available to them to kind of do the metal band dream that, you know, people in other countries would. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the only... <laughs> There's a really interesting part in the documentary where one of them's talking to their father and they're like, you can't just find another guitarist to replace your guitarist for your all-female thrash yeah. metal band. <laughs> yeah. Here, right? It's not so easy. And I think in that, in how it shows the all the different obstacles they have to navigate. It's really interesting. I could have would have liked it to go maybe even a little bit deeper into what, like how they are able to, you know, keep doing these shows. And sometimes when good opportunities happen to them in the documentary, it felt like it came out of nowhere. And I would have liked maybe a little bit more of the insider stuff. Interesting. Rather than just kind of the fly in the wall. I could see that. Yeah, for sure. But it was still a really interesting story. That's my other one that I need to catch from this section right yeah. here, which we should still have a link yeah, for. Yeah, I, I like. Did that one anything? I, I did like it. Um, Liked it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize you caught that one. I did. Too. Yeah, that was Talk one of it. like the last little ones I caught there. I always find stuff like that so interesting because even just the countries they're living in make it hard for them to to. Because I'm yeah. sorry, finding a thrash metal guitarist that's a female, even in America or Canada, is going to be <laughs> tough. It's just one of those things. But like over yeah, there, yeah, triply tough, tough in Lebanon. Yeah, it's in, in Lebanon. It's not just hard for that, but just like what they're fighting no against. No Craigslist in Lebanon to be able to. Well, sometimes it's like they're gonna get shut down for trying. Like it's just rough in a right, lot yeah. of different ways. So yeah, good. Yeah, Tantura, directed by Alon Schwartz. It examines the events that occurred in the village of Tantura in 1948, as well as many Israelis' desire to leave those instances in the past. Art. What struck you about this powerful documentary? 
This is one that we caught on a morning, just, you know, getting into the Israeli-Palestinian yeah, conflict. Why not? Nice yeah. way to start with a cup of coffee. 140 hours of interviews that this man is looking back on, who has just been completely discredited by everybody. All of the people who live in Israel, the, was it the university? Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say discredited. They, like, they've, oh, been, they dis- they've attempted to discredit Oh, my him. good. Well, yes. Well, I would say they were effective. We still got to dock well, with it. Right. But the idea being is, like, do you believe the side right. who's got... Uh, money uh, stakes yeah. on it being a positive war and then the people who want to see it as a negative war more so war is war but the yeah. idea is was this an actual battle or was it a massacre right. the idea being is was there gunfire on both sides mm-hmm. or was it a lineup with people being shot and you go through all what is it 135 interviews with all these different people yeah, first hand that accounts. this man has of this audio and then you're interviewing people who say no that's a lie or it's not it's not going to be a doc that's going to answer it obviously definitively right. for you but it it informs you and opens up a lot of things for you to question and even more than that the people who double down on their stance right really open up to you why they're going to believe the way they do regardless of what the facts say and that almost speaks more than anything. that's ultimately i think what is most interesting about on twitter because it's less about finding the facts of what occurred uh, in 1948 than it is about how you approach finding the facts like do you care about finding that was a really out good more. talk at the end that they had, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what's so effective. It, it really does give you different people's perspectives and attitudes and how the, there's almost like a mental block to even approaching certain subjects. There is something that's not even going to allow you to ask yeah. the question. Uh, interesting, Alan or Elon Schwartz, yeah, he worked for software companies, so he specifically has this background on this idea of what is pitched to you and whatnot. Mm. I know a big thing uh, the last couple years was that being on Twitter for 30 days straight can change your entire right. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, can yeah. change your entire viewpoint and I know that that was one of the things with all the software companies that he had worked with where he saw that the information that is displayed in front of you really changes the way you think and that's how he went back and looked at all of these tapes and went wait what hasn't been disclosed to the public for a reason that kind of changes the way you look back at an event so I don't know I think we were both riveted by Tantura and uh, I have it as my second highest so far even above House Made of Splinters so Oof, yeah, I mean, I have it in my top five documentaries of the festival, for sure. Oh, damn, that's pretty good, man. Yeah. Let's move on to The Mission, directed by Tanya Anderson. It's an intimate look at several teenage Mormon missionaries as they spend their year-long mission in Finland, hoping to convert people into the religion. Amanda, were you compelled by the ma- the mission? I don't think this doc went far enough in any way. Yeah. I don't think it got, went far enough at any of the family dynamics. I don't think it went far enough into what Mormonism even is as a religion and what they're pushing for. Good point. I don't think it. I don't think it went far enough on anything. It didn't even feel like it worked as some kind of like coming of age story. There's like one. Yeah. Did you feel them leave? Did you? They came back from their trip. Yeah. And I was like, we're done with the mission, right? Yeah. Like it was. It felt like they were there for a month, then they were there for six months, and then they were. Yeah, back. but they were there you know for I mean? two I years. Do Does not feel it like it. Feel like it because it doesn't feel like they did anything. You don't really, like, I don't know. It felt weird. I just, I just felt like this was someone who was just like, oh, these wacky Mormons turned up, so we decided we were <laughs> right. going to make a doc. And what are Mormons? We're going to follow what them around like. with the camera. Yeah. What, what are they? What is going on here? Let's follow them around with the camera, but like not actually learn anything. Because like Mormons are 
there's yeah. a lot of shit to talk about with Mormons, and it's not great, most of it, so... It definitely didn't want to side with them. I, that's what I, I felt from the doc. And I had to explain this to y'all. To y'all didn't want to. For two years, when you're dealing with people, they had no problem showing you the creepy people. Yeah. They had no problem showing you the people who called them out. But I felt like they come back and they've baptized people. I was like, why didn't we see anything with them? Right. And I think as a document documentarian, whether you agree with your subject or not, you need to go in there with the idea of if you're following that one girl who truly believes it, mm -hmm. you got to dip your doc into it as yeah. if you believe it too. You have to let the audience kind of like walk in their shoes and like what really pushes yeah. them what what moment did they have with somebody who like converted why didn't we see those moments yeah. it feels so short for something that takes it was a uh, long place over doc. it felt long at least a good amount of time and and then there's yeah. like there's this is our final movie yeah it was the final movie and there's uh, like uh, one together, yeah. kid who like had to go home early and he's having like this existential crisis about it and i feel like they don't even really go in that mm. deep with him either yeah uh, it just could have gone deeper. Yeah, it yeah. Felt it's only like it 95 nothing. minutes. You, you said it was long. It's only 95 oh, it's minutes. Only 95 I minutes. Feel it like, does not feel that. I feel like we didn't look in the hat. It feels longer. I feel like yeah, the hat was it, over it there. It felt like it really we never got to really look in with Johnson. Yeah. What this is doing. It kind of felt like B-roll for like 18 and counting or something. Like whatever one <laughs> of those other. I don't want to be that mean, but damn. You know what I mean? It's like it felt, yeah, it just felt like I the B-roll to like one of those like we have 18 kids because we're Mormons. Like it's... <laughs> Right. Yeah, you could have you could have cut up a really interesting documentary here, I and I feel so. like barely gave you the surface level. Yeah, yeah. So let's go to the territory directed by Alex Pritz. It follows the indigenous Uruawawa community as they seek to protect their homeland in the Amazonian rainforest from non-native Brazilians who threaten its existence. It was the special jury award winner for documentary craft. craft. Is that a good prize for this fascinating documentary? I do, but I want you to talk more about it with this yeah. being the Anonymous Anonymous. That was the producer. I've never heard of Anonymous Anonymous. <laughs> uh, but you may have heard of Darren Aronofsky, and this was the big one that he was pushing. I do agree with the craft one. Yeah. Because of the way that they had the whole crew who was actually there in Brazil. Yeah, like they... they made a point of not just documenting this native community, but actually including them in the I respect production that, of yeah. it. And this native community, you know, they, they've gone out and made that a mission to kind of handle their own documenting of the stuff their own. So they have their cameras and they have their drones and stuff like they that. They have this town that's stopping people from deforesting, right? And people are sneaking in. So they're like, why would we allow more people to sneak in <laughs> yeah. when we don't even know what they're doing here? So they have their own crew that literally is like a prank thing where they catch people going in. They're trying to start this deforestation. But it was really interesting to see this yeah. crew who's in there just trying to make sure that they're able to stop anyone who's trying to come in. Mm -hmm capturing people but then that one point where you said where someone wanted to capture some footage and they're like you don't need to send anybody send us the money and we'll capture the footage for you yeah it's really I cool like to that. see how how no, this community so is responding to these modern challenges and beyond that like i think the documentary is cool because it's at one point it is kind of like a nature documentary and then it sort of shifts and becomes almost like a like a thriller because there's this this battle over this land and there's like a a fraught situation where somebody's life seems in danger and it, it becomes a little bit heart pounding, which is cool when a documentary can kind of push that button and, and flip the switch. I, I thought this was one of the standouts from the documentary section. I'm, I'm glad it picked up some award. Yeah. There was a quote with it where uh, one of the people who was there, the woman says, I used to think that the way to stop an invasion, cause they just call you right out there. This is an invasion. <laughs> There's nothing else but that uh, is to tell the police and they go arrest the invaders. 
I realize that isn't true anymore. Yeah. So you couple that and what they're facing with what honestly was the best sound design yeah. in a doc. That or Fire of, of the Fest. What'd you say? That or Fire of Love has good sound design, mm. sound design too. We're talking about docs, bro. Yeah, these yeah. docs, specifically between these two, were insane mm-hmm. the way that they sounded. And I think it really puts you into the position of their world because they're not just, you know, visually you see the trees, but it's like, can you hear the space, yeah. right? And that's the world that they're in because a lot of the stuff that you're hearing is them dropping these trees. It's them taking advantage of what the soundscape is in a forest to everything just being knocked down. And I thought that they did a very effective job with that. The last documentary in the world world documentary competition category is We Met in Virtual Reality. My favorite. This one, directed by Joe Hunting, examines life inside the VR social platform, VR Chat. Art, are you going to give your VR av- avatar anime eyes and a fluffy tail? Yeah, and the whole hair yeah. and the listen to all, all of that stuff. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to be unmute, as they say. That's the big part when you're in VR is have you come out as unmute? Have you unmuted yourself or not? Do you look like this, which means you're on a keyboard? Or do you look like this, which means that you have the whole motion capture suit? This was an incredible documentary in terms of it being completely in a virtual space. Yeah. I don't want to say this movie's ahead of its time. Because I feel like it's already late to what it is. But, but technically, it's still ahead of its time. If it because... was in the next category, it definitely would have won Next Innovator. Mm. For sure. But it needs to be in the world doc because it, they need to understand where they're at at this point. So much happens virtually. Yeah. And I think this movie cup- uh, captures it perfectly. I don't know what their VR space is called. But I know what, as Alina brought up, VR Animal Chat. Crossing is. I know what Facebook is. I know what Twitter is. And to a degree, this is that right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You have so many with video games where people are playing online and that's how they meet with each other, right? There's a show called The Guild. That's how they all know each other is through playing online. This is that. But it's life. There is mm-hmm. no game. There is no goals. It is just them meeting there in real life. And the entire movie is shot by the director's VR body. VR camera. And he yeah. bought a VR camera. And the VR camera has all the F-stops and everything. So and it don't, can turn into a drone. So don't save up for your Lumex. Save right. up for your VR Lumex. Like, that's technically what you should be getting. Entire thing is shot in there. And it is such a an interesting view at this world, but more so people. Yeah. The way you you, put it was. Well, you could have seen the whole documentary in live action covering the same material and it would have been just as interesting. The VR stuff is really cool because it's cool to see what they're doing and what the inside of this world is like and how they're building it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a part of it where it's people with disabilities and it's people who may be sick or whatnot that can't meet with each other. This is another one of those COVID movies that doesn't really feel Feel like like a COVID movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. He just took advantage of the fact that everyone was trapped in. And then he's like, this is the perfect time to shoot that movie inside VR that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a whole new world. I think this is... It's really interesting. 10, 20 years time is not going to look like the one VR movie. It's going to be several of them. Yeah. And this is a great... It does a really great job at also giving you just the humanity. Like, you you look at a digital avatar, but you see a person. Yeah. When you you watch this movie. Well, more than that, because you see a person unfiltered almost. Like, the avatar is representing who they are. It's almost more real than, like, seeing Uh, the person. Yeah, no, I really like this movie. It's my number one uh, out of the the doc competition for me. It might be my number one, too, of of, uh, World Doc, at least. For World Doc, I go Territory, a house made of splinters, Tantuda. Mm. But we met in virtual reality, which ends up making my overall top ten. Yeah, I'd probably go. Uh, we met in virtual reality, territory and tantura. Territory and then tantura, right up down. Okay. Yeah. So those are the main four competition categories that we've run through. 
Uh, we will do more and do the rest of the categories in our next recap video. So stick with us, with uh, me, with Art, with Amanda, and we'll be back in just a bit. So yeah, thanks for watching so far.